0: You here with a mission, sir? I am.
1: Trying to get me back in the world. I'm trying to save it.
2: You think you're the only superhero in the world? You've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger initiative. This is now Playing's Avengers retrospective series.
0: The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's mightiest heroes, type thing.
2: Part of the now-playing Marvel comic movie series.
3: Well, I guess that's
0: worth a look.
2: Hosted by Arnie. You wonder what I see in your future? Possibility. Jacob. There's a strength to him. But is he ready? And Stuart. Why are you showing this to me? What are you prepared for? At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies featuring the superheroes, Iron Man.
0: I'm just not the the hero type, clearly.
2: The Incredible Hulk. He was a freak. accident. the goal is to do it better. Thor. You're big. Fort bigger. Captain America. How many of you are ready to help me sock old Adolf on the job? Ant-Man. The ultimate secret weapon guardians of the galaxy what a bunch of a-holes dr strange the avengers protect the world from physical dangers we safeguard it against all mystical threats and the avengers i have an army
1: we have a hulk let me emphasize that what i'm about to share with you is tremendously sensitive both to me personally and the army
2: this podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language
0: I'm glad you asked that, because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Listener
2: discretion is advised. I've always been more curious than cautious,
3: so are we going to do this? Gentlemen, you're up. Today we're discussing Doctor Strange, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Rachel McAdams, Benedict Wong, two Benedicts. <laughs> Michael Stuhlbarg, Benjamin Bratt, Scott Adkins, Mads Mickelson, Tilda Swinton, directed by Scott Derrickson. This is your podcaster supreme, Arnie. Stewart in LA. And
0: like Adele, Eminem, and Beyonce, this is your one-named host, Jacob.
3: I knew you were <laughs> gonna take that line. I knew it!
0: <laughs> I had a backup ready to go. <laughs>
3: back to marvel back to november and back to a new origin film one that i think you guys were probably pretty excited for because i went back i listened to our review of the 1978 tv movie doctor strange where i was the only one giving that the thumbs down I was right, though. That got an official DVD release last week, so it finally is justified that we reviewed it in anticipation. I even rewatched it, and you know what? I think I was a little hard on it because I couldn't see it. This new DVD looks better than it probably did on CBS in 78, but yeah, you guys, I mean, horror director, Doctor Strange, The Occult, were you excited? Well, I'll say this. I don't know if I was excited. None
0: of the trailers got me excited. They made it look like Inception with Capes, frankly. But I'll say this for the concept. I'm ready for something different. I've said, you know, with Civil War, everyone gushed about that. I'm like, yeah, it's fine, but... I kind of want to see something different with my superhero, So yeah, to get some magic, get something mystical, go to other dimensions, I was ready for that.
1: Any part 14, I think you know what you're in for. So what is the novelty that they're bringing? I haven't particularly been warm to the newer characters they've introduced. Ant-Man sounded dumb. The Guardians trailer's confounded me. I wasn't understanding the world they were building, but yeah, having that TV movie as a reference and really grooving on how strange, for lack of a better word, it was, yeah, I thought this had the potential to really be one that went in an entirely new, more Stewart direction.
3: I was thinking, Avengers 5, where it is Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, and Rocket (laughs) Raccoon, is going to be a very different kind of Avengers film, but... And keep in mind, I'm just talking about
1: anticipation. You're asking me, was I excited? I think Ant-Man sounds dumb. I think many people thought it sounded dumb, but they were maybe won over. Certainly Guardians, I think people were won over. But yeah, they have gone to characters that look atypical from superheroes of the classic sense. That could be good or bad. I think anything to challenge the formula is probably a good thing at this point. When you're making, cranking them out the way that they are, it's very important, the variables that make it feel distinct. So, yeah, let's take the occultist to the Marvel Universe. How's that fit into the Infinity War? I mean, one thing I feel like I'm losing track of is,
3: like, there was supposed to be a guy showing up looking for his jewelry. Well, they're intentionally downplaying that. That is coming. That is what is going to be the next Avengers film. And, in fact, we are introduced to another of those jewels. We've now seen five of the six Infinity Stones. I was shocked. Oh, there's another one? Yes, there's one more that we saw briefly in Guardians in that flashback with the Collector, but it has never been seen on screen. I'm expecting we'll see the final jewel in Thor. Okay. Huh. But yeah, this is how it fits in. And really, if Guardians took this Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has been pretty much sci-fi, you know, super soldier serums and things. And they even tried to make Thor sci-fi instead of magic and Guardians. This is interjecting an entire new element. Now we're just like, screw it, there's going to be magic.
1: Yeah, to look at the TV movie is to see something that really channeled Dario Argento and The Exorcist. Now that Disney owns Marvel, are they really comfortable with someone that utilizes black magic i think i theorized that the temptation would be to make harry potter and i'm not sure that wasn't a model when they approached this
3: scott derrickson said he intentionally was trying to not do harry potter he was trying to not make it magic wands and somebody throws a spell at the other person the other person's magic deflects it so they throw a harder spell he wanted to do something very new and depict magic in a way it hadn't been done before. I did notice the entire Doctor Strange logo, that window of the Sanctum Santorum and everything. It was far more pentagrammy on the CBS series here. It kind of <laughs> looks like a basketball. And so I looked it up. It has evolved over time. I did rewatch the 2007 animated Doctor Strange movie. It was different there, too.
0: Yeah, I thought it looked like the modern version of it. Is there some grand conspiracy to hide the occult origins by Disney? Uh, Maybe a little, but I thought it was true to what you'd see in a comic today.
1: And you mentioned Scott Derrickson. Yeah, new directors, new creative juices flowing into that. I always think that's interesting, too. Who are they going to bring? Who are they going to cast? Arnie, you and I stepped away to do an extra couple shows with Justin on Sinister, who, which is probably the calling card that got this director this gig. It's what sent the message to me. Disney was considering going a horror vibe for this one.
3: And he fought for this gig. There were a lot of directors in the running. He told some stories about how he spent an obscene amount of his own money writing a scene, storyboarding it, and then actually having an effects guy do pre so that when he went in to meet with Marvel, he had like a 10-minute scene in a pre-animatic. It's the astral fight in the surgical room that we see in this movie Marvel saw that scene and is like this is our movie bought the scene from Scott Derrickson then hired him to direct the movie Hmm. but there was a lot of question who would be the director he did win out there was a lot of question who would be Doctor Strange and they really wanted Joaquin Phoenix
0: Joaquin Phoenix wow
3: I heard Johnny Depp ooh I'm glad it's not Johnny Depp Johnny Depp was on the short list. There were a lot of people on the short list. But the person who they offered a contract to was Joaquin. And he's Mm. like, you know, their schedule just... They want too many restrictions. It's not something I'm going to enjoy doing. Joaquin said no.
0: He he, he couldn't do some weird appearance on late night shows with a beard dressed up as Doctor Strange saying he really is magic.
1: It's a good bit of casting if he was willing to, yes, do what Johnny Depp did when he signed on to Pirates and say, okay, I'm not going to be the weirdo in the indie movies anymore. I'm going to commit to a commercial project.
3: They also almost did Jared Leto. I think he was swimming around a lot of superhero circles till he finally became the Joker.
1: Yeah, once you become on the, you know, you win an Oscar, they're coming at you from all sides. Do you want to do DC? Do you want to do Marvel, Fox Project? But yeah, you're they're going to try to size you up for a cape in some way or fashion.
3: Look at who they got here, though. I mean, Tilda Swinton, Rachel McAdams, and what they both said is they'd wanted to do a marvel movie they love marvel movies they think that they're really inventive and did they say that before they signed the contract or after
0: i i feel like if swinton gets the chance to be androgynous and bald and kind of look like a man (laughs) she's up for the role
3: yeah well what tilda swinton said was also a little bit more specific McAdams was like, oh, I've always loved these Marvel films. So was Swinton, but Swinton also said what Marvel is doing is getting people to walk away from their computer screens and their home screens and getting people into IMAX, getting people into theaters, and she loves that. And she said she'd always wished she could be in a Marvel movie but never thought they'd have a role for her. And when they called with this one, she jumped at the chance. And I honestly believe that. I don't believe this is post-movie appeasism. I think that... These movies, I mean, look who they got. They got Robert Redford for Winter Soldier. They're bringing in real actors to some of these parts. And because of that, people really want to work with them versus them just writing big paychecks to get somebody to slum it for a movie.
1: Yeah, Marvel has demonstrated they have quality control. And if you sign on to Marvel, it doesn't get too bad. And yeah, all these people are Oscar nominated. Almost the entire cast here is someone that was up for a statue. Including the one that they did get, Benedict Cumberbatch.
3: Who's an actor, I mean, we talked about him in Desolation of Smog And we talked about him in Star Trek Into Darkness. And best known, I think, still for Sherlock.
1: Yeah, I feel I always have to convince people that he's great because I love Sherlock. <laughs> and that's the one to see. But I haven't been taken by his forays into Hollywood filmmaking. Including his Oscar-nominated turn in Imitation Game. I thought that movie was kind of dry. I guess he was good in it but I just wasn't a particularly exciting performance and I keep waiting to be excited. I know he has that potential to be leading man material but yeah, I just feel like the projects haven't helped him so far.
0: Yeah, when they announced that he was going to be strange, I was like, oh, okay, that seems kind of like an obvious choice. Yeah, he's not someone that excites me. I haven't watched that Sherlock, so maybe he's really good in that, but he seems to be loved by Hollywood, but I haven't seen what they're seeing in him.
3: And Marjorie just is convinced he looks like a potato. She keeps sending me memes. He's got weird eyes. <laughs> yeah, he's very
1: unusual looking. And and some women think he looks handsome. And I think there's a cartoon character that he's been compared to as well. Yeah, I find if you're going with a strange individual, yeah, this is someone that crosses that line. That can look leading man or can look just otherworldly.
3: But how in the world did they get Benjamin Bratt? I mean, Catwoman's Benjamin <laughs> Bratt! <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, apparently that it broke his back to cross the line from DC to Marvel. He's not Oscar nominated, but most of the other people are. Chewie, Tell, A. Four, I think I said that right. Yeah, 12 Years a Slave. Egha4. Oh.
3: Uh, hmm. There's a Vanity Fair video on YouTube. He's really okay with you mispronouncing his name.
1: Oh, <laughs> good! Because we'll be doing it a lot. Rachel McAdams just was up for spotlight. Michael Stahlberg was a serious man. The Coen Brothers movie nominated for that. Yeah, this is an illustrious cast, and I think it's to Marvel's credit. I think it's because of the movies they've made that everyone here is signing on and saying, okay, this is better than your average comic book movie of 15 years ago.
3: I have seen this twice, This came out in the UK a full week, actually a little more than a week earlier than it came out here in the States. And so if our UK listeners are like, why did you guys do 31 last week? Where's your damn Dr. Strange review? And I have seen some tweets to that effect. The answer is it wasn't out here. It just came out here this past Friday. But all the UK folks were saying, see it in 3D, see it in 3D. I did go opening night to see it IMAX 3D. And then I was wondering, how would it be without the 3D? Because the 3D is amazing. So I did see it 2D on Friday, and if you see it, see it in 3D.
0: Yeah, I saw it in 2D, but it did seem like, oh, if they could pull this 3D off,
3: it probably looks pretty great. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Some of the scenes just didn't even play right in 2D, whereas in 3D, it's astounding.
1: Yeah, I went to the Chinese theater here in Hollywood where they have the kind of IMAX that it was specially formatted, apparently, that the screen actually changes dimensions to accommodate the special effects of the moment. So I noticed that a little. I mean, there's a lot. Once you, I found myself, it was kind of hard. I take a lot of notes during a movie, but it was kind of even hard to describe what I was seeing when we would go into mirror dimensions. I'm just like, all right, I'm setting down my pen and just watching this and not trying to dictate what I'm looking at. But yes, certainly a spectacle movie and I do think the large screen format helps emphasize the epic quality.
3: Over an hour of footage here was specially done for IMAX. You know, we've seen movies like The Dark Knight where they do 15 minutes or something. This is the first one I know of where over half the movie was made specifically for IMAX and Kevin Feige actually talked about having to change the effects because they focused so much on the 3D that they looked horrible in 2D, so they had to adjust them some. I don't think they adjusted them enough for 2D. If you saw this in 2D, I don't think you can judge the effects. Having seen both versions, the 2D really sucks.
0: I've only seen the 2D and I didn't think it sucked. So maybe you just have that 3D experience to compare it to.
1: I have nothing to compare it to with 2D. I didn't watch a whole lot of the trailers and this is the only way that I have seen it. So I just presume that we all went through the Stargate to 2001. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely goes to a kaleidoscope, Inception, Dark City. Let's bend and twist urban landscapes into new
3: shapes. I should add that this is a post-conversion 3D job, so any scene where they're, like, standing around chatting, there's no 3D to talk about. But there's so much of this movie that is CG, and the CG was done 3D.
0: Why shoot in 3D when most of this is CGI? <laughs> it's all being done on computers.
1: I actually felt like the most important shot was a not-special-effect shot, though, in 3D. That's,
3: I bet I know what you're talking about, because there was one shot that I'm like, yeah. Damn! <laughs> Yeah, there's something that I think sends a message home. Doctor Strange had a long trek to the big screen. They've been trying since 1989. A company had the rights, but Warner Brothers was going to distribute, and Warner Brothers, you know, DC. They were in a merchandising disagreement with Marvel, so they squashed it. The rights ended up at Charles Band around that time.
1: Mm-hmm. This is the puppet master, by the way, doll man. Uh, you're in really low-budget territory.
3: Well, Reanimator as well. Movie we're doing on our donation series coming up, and
1: okay, but most Troll Van movies are not Reanimator. I just want to emphasize that for people. No, they're this more is...
3: ginger dead Man. Yes. This is after we reviewed that 1978 Doctor Strange film, the Marvel fans were kind of stomping their magic wands. You're not done. You haven't reviewed the other Doctor Strange film, Doctor Mordred. Why? <laughs> apparently Charles Band had the rights to Doctor Strange. He lost the rights to it, to Marvel, and he decided, oh, we're going to do this script anyway, and we're going to cast Jeffrey Combs as the Doctor, and... (laughs) A stuntman as the evil wizard. So how was it? Jesus. I I saw somebody give it a 10-star review on iTunes. I'm like, you have low expectations, sir. (laughs) It was really cheap, really dull. If it was a 1982 movie, I could forgive it its bad effects. 1992? Well, Jeffrey Combs was good in it, I guess, but not recommend. But I don't think it counts. They did try a lot of things, though. Wes Craven was going to direct this film in 94 or 95. Oh, Jesus.
1: Oh, thank goodness that didn't happen.
3: Yeah, Swamp
1: Thing should totally disbar him from any superhero project.
3: David S. Goyer was writing a script, and then in 2001, this fell to Dimension Films, the genre branch of Miramax. Goyer was going to write and direct. What superhero stuff
0: has Goyer not written besides the current Disney Marvel stuff?
3: It was finally bought by Paramount in 2005, back when Marvel Studios was kind of amassing all the film rights, and they wanted this to come to screens a lot earlier than it did, but it took a little while, and they pushed it back even further. This was going to be this year's summer movie. They pushed it back because Benedict was busy.
1: Okay. Summer.
3: The same time with Civil War, then. A few months later, think about last year with Avengers and Ant-Man. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they pushed it to a November release in order to secure Cumberbatch. So finally, we are here, not on the small screen. And finally, again, I feel vindicated that we even reviewed the TV movie now.
1: (laughs) It all matters, right? That's their slogan? It all's connected?
3: Well, I guess it is, because over on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they now have Ghost Rider on there. They're kind of delving (laughs) into the demon world of magic, too. I saw that. I love that because it means they're not thinking about making a movie sequel.
1: (laughs) Well, no, I don't think it's the Johnny
0: Blaze version, is it?
3: No, it's this new version. He doesn't even ride a motorcycle, he drives a car. What?
0: Yeah, Hot Rod.
3: (laughs) He works for Uber. I mean, wait,
1: huh? How is that? How can it be Ghost Rider if he's not a flaming skull on a motorcycle? Well, he's a
3: flaming skull
1: in a car.
0: (laughs) Yeah, anything he gets on, if you go by that second film, turns into a flaming vehicle. Oh,
1: okay. Well,. I look forward to you telling me how bad it is.
0: Nick Cage can still come back. He can finish the trilogy.
3: Here's the funny thing is it's actually like the best Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has ever been. But they should have just made a Ghost Rider TV series instead of tagging it on to the flagging Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show that is getting its worst ratings in four years. Yeah, I must admit I didn't even realize that was still on.
1: Yeah,
0: perhaps Netflix could do that. They seem to be the successful TV brand for Marvel.
3: Hey, don't you tell me that the ABC family channel or whatever they're calling it now, Reform, is getting Cloak and Dagger, damn it?
0: Are they really? Yes. Wow. That seems way more appropriate for Netflix thinking of that a costume.
3: Oh, they'll tone it down like Scarlet Witch. Well, maybe those
1: series aren't doing well, but I think anticipation for this one was big.
3: They're predicting it to be the third biggest First movie ever, as far as solo heroes, first installments, second only to Iron Man is the projection overall, third only to Iron Man and Guardians for the first outing for a Marvel hero.
0: Yeah, really, I, that that kind of surprises me because I showed up right before the movie started and walked in. They're like, "No, you got to go wait in line outside." I'm like, "No, I'll just wait till you let me in." And like people <laughs> finally came in from outside and they're like, "Why did we wait outside? There's no one in here." So <laughs> I'm surprised that. Wow, it's projecting that high. I wouldn't have guessed it from my theater.
1: Yeah, Chinese Theater gets an audience, but this was a bigger audience than the one I saw Ghostbusters for a few months back. Yeah, it was packed.
3: I actually went to the exact same theater where I was almost alone seeing Ghostbusters, and it was pretty full.
1: Let's get into it, Arnie. Let's talk about what the plot of Doctor Strange is. We can see how well Marvel has adapted it.
3: Well, Dr. Strange is a cautionary tale about texting and driving, as (laughs) egotistical hotshot neurosurgeon Dr. Stephen Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, is looking at his phone when his Lamborghini runs off the road. Strange survives the horrible crash, but with severe injuries, especially to his rebuilt hands, whose tremors mean he will never be able to perform surgery again. Despite comfort and care provided by Strange's sometimes lover and fellow surgeon, Dr. Christine Palmer, played by Rachel McAdams, Strange is obsessed with getting his hands back. He doesn't bother to explore the multitude of career options he could have, such as teaching, writing, researching, consulting. No, he will only get his hands back. So he contacts the best hand surgeons around the world and spends every penny he has but the only hope he finds comes with rumors of something called kamartaj in Nepal. I want the knife, please. Marjorie did lean over to me in the theater and go, Viva Nepal, Viva Nepal. <laughs> yeah, when the bad guy showed up, I was like, my dear brother Noopsy." Well, Strange goes to Kathmandu and is found by Carl Mordo, who takes the physician to their temple. Mordo has a first name. It's really Carl. <laughs> But it's with a K, so it's badass.
0: Oh, okay. I did I did not catch that. <laughs>
3: Apparently that's the name of the comic book character, too. He, but this one's not a baron, as far as we know.
0: Yeah, he's not Transylvanian in this film.
3: <laughs> Kamartaj is, in fact, a place where sorcerers study magic, tapping into other dimensions to wield magical weapons and abilities. The group is led by the Ancient One, an ageless, bald guru, played by Tilda Swinton. With the hopes of using magic to fix his hands, Strange studies tirelessly. He learns to open portals and to create rope hand weapons and even to turn back time. So he will find a way to take back the words that hurt you and you'll stay.
1: <laughs> okay, sure.
3: <laughs> but the studies are broken up by Kaecilius, the hard-to-pronounce former student of the Ancient Ones played by Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> accent on the silly Kaecilius has turned to the dark side or the dark dimension a void ruled by an entity called Dormammu (laughs) which I was corrected is not Dormammu it's Dormammu (laughs) Caecilius plans to destroy the Three Sanctum Santorums Buildings in Hong Kong, London, and New York that provide protection to Earth from magical attacks
1: Sally sells seashells by the seashore I mean, there's <laughs> some real tongue Twisters you're spitting out here, you?
3: <laughs> Thank God For six years of marvelous Toys Where I have learned to wrap my tongue around These words
1: Alright, tell me more about Dormammum, whatever Dormamu.
3: <laughs> Strange finds himself in New York Sanctum under attack by Caecilius and his disciples. With the help of a sentient cape of levitation, Strange fights off the attack, joined by Mordo and the Ancient One. But the Ancient One is killed, and Caecilius goes to the Hong Kong Sanctum Santorum, and with that one destroyed, a portal to the Dark Dimension opens, and Dormammu begins to destroy Earth. Strange turns back time to Before the Destruction, But Caecilius is too powerful to stop, so Doctor Strange flies into the Dark Dimension where he directly confronts Dormammu. The godlike creature kills Strange, but having cast his Time Spell, Strange returns. This happens again and again until Dormammu realizes he's trapped in an eternity of killing Strange unless he agrees to the Doctor's demands, which are to take Kaecilius and his followers away from Earth and Dormammu is to never return. Dormammu agrees and Strange returns to Earth, but Mordo is disgusted by Strange's methods and leaves the Order, instead becoming a rogue sorcerer killer to try to eliminate the use of magic on Earth. And Strange, meanwhile, is now master of the New York Sanctum Santorum, where he confers with Thor about beings from other realms on Earth. As credits roll. Well, after the credits rolled. (laughs) (laughs) True, mid-credits scene. But there's a lot to talk about here. Before we get into it, though, I was blown away. New Marvel logo! Yeah, mm-hmm. I noticed
0: that, and it seemed to be me making a statement. We're not comics anymore, because most of that footage, that scroll, is now movie footage.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of risky, because, I mean, yeah, they have these people under contract, but at some point... New people will play this, and I guess they'll have get a new logo then. But I'm just like, how many more films do you have Chris Evans for? To, to put that footage in there, I don't know. It felt like they may change this real quick in a couple years when he's out of contract and moving on. It
0: should just be full of all the Stanley cameos.
1: <laughs>
0: that will never change.
3: Yeah, he'll still be doing them, too. They've already filmed several of them. The one here was actually directed by James Gunn because while he was filming his Guardians 2 cameo, they decided to film a lot of Stan Lee cameos because he it, traveling is apparently getting hard on him. He is in his 90s, and he is reducing his public appearances. So, yeah, they could have done that. But they started with, like, comic book characters like the old one, and then they moved to, like, key character art like we see in the posters. There's even pages of scripts in there that I've noticed And then, yeah, we get actual footage from the movies. They have a right to
1: brag. I mean, this is, yeah, 14 films now and only eight years, but it does feel like they've been here forever. They're an institution.
3: But we get past the logo and we just begin with a bunch of rogue Jedi breaking into a library.
1: This is so Star Wars.
3: I keep going to Golden Child, but I mean, yeah, I guess Star Wars. Justin on Marvelicious Toys pointed out to me that the action figure of Carl Mordo looked like he could have just been a Jedi librarian, and now I can't unsee, like, if you ever played the Old Republic video game, every outfit in here could have been from that game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to see instead of lightsabers, though, they wave their fingers around to make light weapons.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty badass library. I'm going to just give a shout out (laughs) right now. to something I never thought I would be champion. But what a cool library that they have here where books are so dangerous, they have to like chain them up like behind bars.
0: Yeah, but they should
3: strengthen the locks on those things. They come out real easy. (laughs) No knowledge is forbidden there, only certain practices. So I don't know why they bother having chains, because, yeah, you just slip it right on out. Yeah,
1: that felt like a lot of doublespeak, and we're going to see that here. We're going to think that certain characters that are sages and gurus are, yeah, maybe more mixed up and complicated than we thought. But, yeah, oh, read whatever you want. Yeah, that is under lock and key. And we're going to just have to break in here with our gang, behead the librarian, in order to get the page that we need.
0: Why just take the page, though? Why not just take the whole book? I wish they would have had some reason, like, <laughs> there was some spell on the book. It couldn't be removed because that's going to become a big point. Like, Strange is going to read the whole book and get the upper hand because of that.
1: And I just hate seeing a page torn out of a book. I just, it's just like, it just just it felt like violence to me. I mean, more than the beheading. I'm like, oh, that's painful. But you know this has got to be a bad spell because there's a... The universal symbol for biohazard is on it or something. I mean, it it definitely, it's red, it's glowing. I mean, I don't know exactly what's going on. And I have that complication throughout the movie as uh, people spit out mystical gobbledygook. But yeah, basically, I get the sense that whatever's on that page is going to summon or bring about something bad
3: end of the earth right isn't it always end of the earth
1: yeah exactly some big old thing will come down and and there we have it so we have tilda swinton of course to be the martial arts master to stop it all she does seem like a very cool librarian
0: the celtic martial arts master (laughs) as they call out later and i know this was controversial because the ancient one is asian Look, this has been not whitewashed. This has been, I guess, Chinese-washed. They got to get this out of Tibet where the comic takes place so they could play this in China.
3: Mm. That's what the original writer Robert Cargill, C. Robert Cargill said, is that, first of all, the ancient one is the racial stereotype of the wise old Chinese guy. And so they didn't want to do that. But more importantly, he was Tibetan and China doesn't believe in Tibet, and his exact quote is, you risk alienating one billion people who think that's bullshit, and risk the Chinese government going, hey, you know one of the biggest film-watching countries in the world? We're not going to show your movie because you decided to get political. So.
0: <laughs> Which isn't political to have yes. to
1: bet in a film. Like, that's ridiculous. Self-censoring is still censoring. But, you know, I'm not so invested that it needs to be what was on the comic book page. And more to the point, I love Tilda Swinton. She always brings yes. an ethereal quality that I think Marvel would be lucky to get. And so, yeah, that she is going to be in this was actually the most exciting element about it. That said, I've got to say my enthusiasm goes away pretty quickly when she starts throwing Tron frisbees.
3: I actually liked her little deadly fan dance. They cover her face for this entire opening, I'm like, why? You showed us in the trailer that it's Tilda Swinton. Why are you just- Because it's not
1: Tilda Swinton, it's her stunt double.
3: (laughs) Yes. No, she did a lot of that herself. And I never thought I'd see Tilda Swinton do a martial arts movie, but later on, she'll be doing these exact same moves, sans hoodie.
1: This was like a tell right away that I was going to- have problems that this was not the doctor strange movie that I wanted the any idea that this was going to be blackness fear inducing you wanted
0: hell and rubber
1: penis demons yeah where's the big penis where is the
3: (laughs) I hear good things about Benedict Cumberbatch I don't know but
1: (laughs) yeah maybe in a deleted scene but here I just like she got the last dragon glow or something and it just that wasn't what I wanted
3: I loved the effects here. Now the fight itself, especially on my first viewing, I'm trying to keep up. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Why is everything turning into like they're inside broken glass? But when the buildings start turning on their sides and becoming like cogs, like everything is folding in on itself like a giant assembly line machine or an engine whirring, I'm stunned by these visuals right away. Derrickson completely admits he's standing on the shoulders of Inception here, but he took that to a new level.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say that even though, yeah, I feel like it is a lift from Inception, that was some great stuff, and they didn't do enough of that Inception. So if someone wants to make a movie about that, go for it. But <laughs> the fighting on top of the buildings is what I'm not crazy about.
0: No, I agree. Like, if you love that moving stuff in Inception and was disappointed it wasn't there, this is the movie to watch because you will get so much of it. And I love that. I love the look, like that glass dimension or whatever they call it here you know they're not going to explain it at first but they are not interacting with humans like there's humans and cars all around them but they're in a different dimension where yeah I see it as a kaleidoscope where things are just Mm -hmm. twisting and turning and taking fractal shapes and I think it looks great as far as yeah I get confused with a lot of the fights and the movements I don't think Derrickson maybe he could do horror I don't think he could do martial arts like I I know I'm always picky with how the choreography goes and I really want to see it I feel there's a lot of short edits here and you don't really Really get a sense of the fight going on. People are falling around, stuff is moving, but it looks great. I don't really get what the humans are doing. I agree with that, Stuart.
1: It does feel like a Harry Potter movie or a yeah Gerard Butler bullshit movie. It's just too removed. Like I want fighting to be physical, and this just feels like goofiness.
0: I don't think it should be physical in a... I, again, this we keep saying martial arts, but these are really sorcerers. They're magicians. So yeah. I have never seen a Harry Potter film. I can't get through them. I got through this film no problems. Okay, That they're making little Tron discs come out of their hands and weird weapons. I'm fine with
3: that. I've seen half the Harry Potter films... And this is quite different from that. But you're right. When you say that, it hit me that because they're not being seen by the normal world, they're in this, they call it the mirror dimension, and they're interacting among the people that, is not seeing them, that does remind me of Harry Potter and the fact that the muggles don't know what's going on. That said, I do find it funny when the battle's over and Tilda Swinton walks away leaving four dead bodies on the ground. Those are pretty real, and she just is like, all right, I'm going to take down my hood now because nobody will ever recognize me walking away from the corpses without the hood up. (laughs) Yeah, there is
1: death in this movie, but I do think the mirror dimension gives them the ability to have these big-scale fights without the complaints we seem to get in DC movies, killing all the masses of people. We don't have that concern that hordes of people are dying because of these people are fighting. The superheroes are actually inflicting mass death that isn't happening they can be very specific about their targets of each other by creating a mirror bubble that allows them to yeah dance around on buildings and not actually have the people in the buildings notice
3: and Tilda Swinton did shave her head for this role that was her choice and I had to look it up because there are scars all over her skull and I'm like did she have brain surgery what's going on no those are fake scars she wanted it to show like the ancient one had Seen some hard days.
0: Okay. I noticed that as well, and I was wondering about that.
1: We'll also see that on Mordo. I, yeah, it just seems like if you're in this club, you're going to get a scar. It's almost like an initiation right here. And Yeah, I mean, Strange is going to have his face bloodied for most of this film. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely going to get scarred up. We're gonna The first shot we have of Dr. Stephen Strange, heavy on metaphor, he's washing his hands.
3: There's so many hand shots in this movie. I actually start referring it in my notes as the handy cam because they're just they start with him washing his hands. Later on he's going to be seen washing his scarred hands. The movie's gonna end with him washing his hands. This movie's big on callbacks and on a second viewing it really hit me. There's pieces of dialogue that Strange will say early on that are thrown back at him later on. There's a lot of dialogue where, here at the beginning, his girlfriend Christine, Rachel McAdams, is another doctor. She's like, it's always about you. And later on, the Ancient One's going to say, you need to realize it's not about you. Derrickson has structured this film like his mirror universe. Things come back and reflect differently.
1: I thought that was heavy-handed, to use the metaphor. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like this script is really clunky because of the callbacks.
0: It's not sophisticated, but I think for the crowd that goes to every Marvel film, like I, when I take my nine-year-old daughter to these, yeah, it's on a level she could get it. It's on a level younger audiences could get it, and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm Look, this is a PG-13 Disney film. I'm not expecting scary demons in it, as much as I might want that in a Doctor Strange film. I just don't think I'm going to get that from Disney.
1: No, yeah, I, I'm just wanting to point out the fact that I think that these themes are heavy, that they want... Every- Everyone to get the fact that this character is a jerk that has to learn that his narcissism is getting in the way of him doing good. And that while he might think that he saves lives and all of that, it's very obvious from these early scenes. This may be the most unlikable introduction to any Marvel character. I mean, these toxic
0: i like that marvel has a lot of jerks as superheroes but they're different kinds of jerks like i, I was afraid that they would just go the tony stark route who's a lovable jerk like you want to sleep with tony he's so ad- adorable but steven strange yes he's he's very cold you like christine his one-time girlfriend has made the strange rule to never sleep with a colleague because of him like he is almost toxic he he is such a jerk in this and so unrelatable as a doctor
3: I'm going to disagree with you guys, because when we're introduced to him, he's doing surgery. He's
0: gloating that he knows the most information about Chuck Mangione. That's nothing to gloat about.
3: (laughs) Well, no, he's playing Name That Tune while doing surgery. And the very first thing we see him do is fight to save a patient's life. A patient with a gunshot wound to the head has been declared brain dead by this other doctor, Nick West. And Strange is going to race down there. He does it in a jerky, asshole way, but he saves this person's life. They were about to harvest his organs, and Strange goes in there freehand, saves his life. I get it. But it's all ego-driven. He's, he's egotistical. But can I tell you something? My father was a doctor. I grew up around a shit ton of surgeons. They have toned down the ego. This is the most likable <laughs> surgeon I've ever met. <laughs>
1: I've worked for a short period of time in a hospital as well, and I agree that it's, it comes with the territory. That if you believe that you save lives, you develop a God complex, and I'm not even saying it's inappropriate. I think it's kind of bold, though, that this is the first time we're meeting the character. Yeah, they start with the music trivia thing, because that gets us to laugh. But pretty quickly, we're finding that we, I, I don't like this guy. I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm pretty, even before his injury, I'm like, this guy is yuck.
0: No, I don't like him, and and that's what I'm saying. It's different than Tony Stark, who was an egotistical jerk, but I always liked Tony Stark. I don't like Strange.
1: Yeah, he was complicated. This is not complicated. I don't like him.
0: Yeah, the fact that he's got like a, a plethora of watches to choose from as he's going out out on the town and he's got his... I, I almost like, dude, the way you drive, you, I'm surprised you didn't crash much earlier.
3: Well, going in, I knew this was going to be a Tony Stark type of performance, right? Egotistical jerk with a lot of money, gets into an accident and changes his ways... They're just so similar even in their comic book origins. The difference is one goes sci-fi and creates a metal suit. The other goes mystical and becomes a magician. I'm impressed by the differentiation here. Yes, Strange is a different type of jerk. Yes, Strange is very rich, but he's a different type of rich. His apartment is full of those watches and it's... Warm colors, the dark wood looking a little bit more classical, whereas Tony Stark was all new modern tech. They really went into some differentiation there. And the one thing I didn't expect is, yeah, Doctor Strange is going to lose all his money. I didn't know enough about the comic character. I didn't remember the 2007 cartoon to know that was part of his arc was to lose everything. I just thought he was going to be a rich sorcerer the way Tony Stark's a rich superhero. I mean, hell, they share facial hair. (laughs) I thought they would share that. But they're going to go a different way with it. And Cumberbatch is winning me over. His delivery, his, his jokes never work. Not one of his jokes works for me. But the way he is, just an asshole. But I found him... A likable asshole and likable. I did. I thought he and his little banter with Rachel McAdams was great. Wait, that's that's kind of controversial. You didn't think he was funny, but you still found him likable. He saved lives. He wanted to save a huge number of lives. He didn't want to work in the ER where he could save one, he wanted to save thousands.
0: He Yeah, but he also wanted a perfect record, which is weird. Maybe that's a is a surgeon thing, but I guess they're like boxers. Oh,
3: it's a surgeon thing, a lawyer thing. Yeah.
0: They're, they're like boxers. You, you got to have that perfect record. You don't ever want to be knocked out. But he was selective with who he helped. Yeah. You know, if they were too old, it gets called out. If some old lady, he didn't want to help her because she would have died. He couldn't save her.
1: Yeah, I don't get the altruism in this guy at all. And even that saving lives moment, I didn't know whether that was because he was awesome or the other guy should be sued for malpractice. I mean, it didn't feel like this was the only guy could do that. It felt more like that other guy made a bad call.
3: But you did mention, Jacob, that, yeah, he turned down the 65-year-old, and that is probably the point where he comes off the worst, is choosing who not to help, even though I can look at it both ways and say, if she really is terminal, he can go on and save somebody else. They mentioned another case for him, and I thought for sure we were hearing a Civil War callback. A 35-year-old Air Force colonel who broke his spine in a mech suit. I'm like, well, that's Rhodey, right? That's Iron Patriot. Yeah. It isn't? According to Derrickson, we shouldn't read too much into that phone call at all and be looking for Easter eggs. And he says that is not Rhodey. First of all, he says the timeline doesn't match up. He says Strange is training for about a year, and when this movie ends, he's caught up with the rest of the universe.
0: We see the Avengers Tower in New York. I don't know if that was still standing after they broke up.
3: That's a good point, but we see it near the end of the movie still, too. We see it in the final battle when the city's folding in on itself, so I guess it is still standing. I think that is a permanent part of the New York skyline in these movies, they could take the A off, though. Well, there are still Avengers, the new Avengers with Vision and whatnot. But the other thing is they said the Colonel was 35 and Don Cheadle's 51. They say Rhodey's in his 40s. But come on, they had to mean Rhodey, right? Maybe the guy just got the thing wrong. I know Derrick's saying not, nah, but until Kevin Feige comes out and says what that was, what other... Air Force colonel braces back in a mech suit.
1: Yeah, and who's this 22-year-old female that he does want to work on because she had a brain implant that was struck by lightning? That sounds like total superhero origins. She's at least going to get her own web series, right? We'll see this on Crackle.
3: <laughs> they don't they don't do web series for Marvel anymore. Uh,
1: they would for a 22-year-old brain implant superhero.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that might be a guest star on the Cloak and Dagger show, but... I looked it up. I couldn't find any superhero with a brain implant due to schizophrenia, and none of the articles I read with the Easter eggs pointed out either.
0: Yeah, I thought for sure it was some Easter egg, but I couldn't find anything either.
1: Yeah, but of course, these revelations are coming right at the pivotal act change moment, where we can hate him in this second, because everything is about him is going to change after this second. Strange has everything in his hands. He has all of the control. He's at the driver's seat, literally, and it's his fault. He was texting while driving and veers off the road. And again, another Inception callback, the slow-mo falling into the water.
0: Yeah, it shows like that dashboard or something, like envelop his hands and crush them. I wasn't sure what was going on, but again, they focus on those hands.
3: Yeah, I think they had to show why with an airbag and everything, his hands would be so destroyed. They even had a sound effect of this crunching of the hands. You said Inception... You're right. There is a slow-mo scene in Inception where they fall in the water. To me, this was Matrix, though. I mean, it goes all the way back to there, where you're just seeing the slow motion, CGI, stuff floating. And you said act change. I cannot believe how fast this damn movie goes. We're 15 minutes in. We did not have a whole lot of time with him as egotistical surgeon before he's battered and broken.
0: I had enough. I I was actually happy with this pace. Maybe because I know this story and... I've gone on the record that like, origin stories can refine some other way to introduce characters. I'm sick of origin stories, so I'm glad this is moving fast.
1: Yes, this feels like one of the shortest Marvel movies ever. It's it's under two hours, and it's very efficient in how it's going to push the character through the story. I think by being so pushy, we lose emotional connection. I don't have a problem with this act one being this fast, but how he's going to become his superhero feels uninvolving because it's so detached
3: see and I considered act one to end when he got to Nepal because it's 15 minutes of him as a doctor and then the next 15 minutes are him trying to repair himself now they cut quite a bit out of this movie they cut a subplot of he wanted to be a doctor and help people because his sister died I guess that's something from the comic Ah. they also cut that dr. Nick West is the one who operated on his hands. There was supposed to be more strife between those two. That comes through, though. I yeah, mean I, that- got, I
0: got enough of that when he tells him to cover his watch when he's pulling that bullet out of the brain.
3: I didn't understand why he told him to cover his watch. Was it reflecting in his eye? or No,
0: the ticking was throwing off his nerves.
1: Yeah, I think that we're supposed to understand Dr. Strange has acute hearing, thus he knows everything about music, it's just the way that he listens to things, it's specific, and I thought that was a setup to a power he would use later, but if it is, it's not in this
3: film. Oh, I thought that was just his photographic memory he talks about later, he knows every song and remembers every detail. I didn't take him as having, you know, spider hearing or anything.
1: It's the fact that he could hear the ticking watch while he was performing that really lets you know that he is very hyper aware of the sounds around him.
3: What I didn't get is that Dr. West did the hand surgery. I would think you'd bring in a specialist for hands. You wouldn't just have your ER surgeon on call. There's (laughs) only
1: three doctors in all of New York, don't you know? In this movie, like everything, no matter what happens to you, you're going to be taken to the hospital (laughs) and Rachel McAdams is going to see you. She never goes home. (laughs) We saw what
0: hospitals were like in the 70s. You just hang out, stay there an extra night, and now we have the new version. Thanks to Obamacare, like, ain't no doctors around. You can't get help. Yeah. I'm joking, of course.
1: Yeah, there's there's empty ER rooms even. We'll get to it, and Rachel McAdams role, or non-role, in this movie, but what I referred to earlier about the most powerful 3D scene, for me, it was when he woke up and looked at his hands, and they were just floating there in the cast, and you see all the breaks you see how over it is for him and how painful that is that they're just hovering there right for the audience to not be able to look away from
3: that's where i thought of the handy cam, but that wasn't a 3d shot that really got me mine's a little bit later but man those swollen puffy hands the cuts on his eye he looks like shit i mean he, they really did a good way of making him look beat up and they're going to hold to it. Those hand scars makeup is there for a long time. I guess they're going to save money by having them wear gloves in future films.
0: <laughs> yeah. Even in 2D, that hand shot, when you first looks at him and they're so bloated and those scars and those pins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- They call out that West did do the surgery and he blames him, of course, but it's hard to look at. It looks like there's been some malpractice there (laughs) because it's so horrific looking. But I mean, I guess that's how it would be if you ripped up all your nerves and broke all your
3: bones. 11 stainless steel pins on the table for 11 hours, torn ligaments. Oh my God, that is really horrible. Here's the problem.
1: We never see Dr. West doing something good. So it's like every time he operates, he either makes a bad call and says someone dead before they're not, or, yeah, he does this to his hands. Later, he's going to be given the scalpel. We're going to think that's an act of benevolence, that Strange is going to give him the scalpel. That patient will die. <laughs> <I> mean- <laughs> Even
0: when West goes to get something out of the vending machine and Strange's astral projection makes free- another chip fall down, he goes and steals that. Like, yeah. you know what it is with West? He looks weird, and I had to look up this actor. It's Griffin. You remember Men in Black 3? The weird yeah. alien that can see all dimensions? This is him.
1: He had a big moment in the Coen Brothers movie, A a Serious Man as well. He was Oscar nominee for that. That was his breakthrough.
0: But yeah, I thought they CGI'd him to look a little weird in Men in Black 3. But no, I guess, again, everyone just has a weird look in this film.
3: And this character is actually from the comics. There is this guy who did the hand surgery. No, I have no doubt he's going to turn into a supervillain. No, he (laughs) actually... All right, he does become a sorcerer. Yeah. (laughs) Briefly.
1: But yes. Yeah. At this point, they can't fool me again. When Gwyneth Paltrow became a superhero, I'm like, oh, so everyone we meet is actually going to at some point. Hey,
0: even Christine, Rachel McAdams, she, well, at least in the comics, she's the night nurse. (laughs) She she helps out all the superheroes when they break their ribs or break a bone.
1: What does she have, like hypodermic needles or something? Like she can... No, she's just a nurse. Oh.
3: It's really good. And... I picked up the Doctor Strange prequel comics that have a couple other issues, and there's this funny scene of, like, Arachne and Iron Fist sitting in the waiting room because they got beat up, and you can't go to a regular doctor. They're going to ask questions about your wounds. Night Nurse is just a nurse who's going to help patch up vigilantes. But What's weird is they have that character already, played by Rosario Dawson on the Netflix series.
0: Yeah, they even have called her Night Nurse
1: in the latest Luke Cage series. But I don't feel like we really get to see a whole lot of Rachel McAdams. She's dismissed early on. She's trying to do the dutiful thing, even though she's not dating Strange anymore. She's trying to encourage him, you know, when he's getting the bad news that no doctor wants to perform any more experimental surgery, that nobody seems to be able to fix his problems. She wants to stay by his side, but Strange and this
3: movie keep saying, (laughs) no, 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 no. We're done with you. I'm kind of glad about that because you know how with The Force Awakens, there's that big where's ray hashtag on twitter i just kind of want to start some hashtags to piss off marvel where's betty where's jane where's pepper (laughs) they just keep having these love interests that are so important until the contracts come up and then oh (laughs) we're gonna be done with them off screen so i'm glad that if we never saw christine again i wouldn't feel like a huge part of Strange's life is missing. That said, I can't get a beat on their relationship. Strange says, and I'm inclined to believe him, we were barely even lovers, not friends. And yet she gives him a watch that says, time will tell you how much I love you. I'm like, (laughs) well, there's some mixed messages there. I love you. I love you. We're not even friends. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely had that problem. I think maybe she was more into him than he was into her, but that makes sense for a narcissist. Of course, he would just presume that she loves him. They're
3: both into him.
1: Everyone is. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he certainly is okay with having her leave in tears and being rude and being a jerk to everyone. He feels entitled to hurt people until some physical therapist uh, wants to show him up and sends him, indeed, Benjamin Bratt's uh, medical records. He was a paraplegic that came back and rebuilt his body, went from a broken spine to
3: playing pickup (laughs) basketball. By the way, I'm going to start referring to everybody whose intelligence I look down on as bachelor degree. With my master's here, I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, right, bachelor's degree. (laughs) So Benjamin Bratt, he's able to walk again because of magic. I mean, they're going to save that revelation for three quarters of the way through the movie, but as soon as he starts saying he went to Carmitage and... Learn things, and I know what movie I'm watching. I'm like, okay, so he magically healed himself. I didn't realize that was going to be like a big point. Yeah, I
0: thought that was pretty much a given.
3: Yeah, I didn't
1: understand that was a secret. I feel like this movie tells us things several times because they're afraid so much is dialogue heavy. They're concepts that need to be understood only through words that, yeah, we get a lot of repeats. But yeah, I think you understand here if a man that shouldn't be able to walk again is walking again because he went to this mystical realm with gurus and llamas and all of that, then I think, yeah, okay, well, that will be the magic that Strange has to learn in order to heal his hands.
3: What I find strange, he never does heal his hands. At the very end of this movie, his hands are still shaking, and I got to give Cumberbatch some credit. The second time I watched this movie, I was staring at the hands. He commits to that little hand tremor. There's a couple times his hands are steady, and I think that's big things, but he doesn't ever truly fix himself. He's never that good.
1: Yeah, how bad is his injury? Because we'll see him have a fight scene early on here in Nepal. He can throw a punch. Seems like he can do a lot, but he can't write his name. He can't do specific things with his fingers, right? He doesn't have the fine motor skills. The
3: punch hurt him more than it did them because of all the damage to his hands, the pins and things. And I'm trying to figure out how much time has passed. He's undergone multiple surgeries here. I saw somebody online say that the person in the suit could have been, back from Iron Man 2, one of the Hammer drones, because it feels like years would have passed with Strange blowing through his fortune and undergoing multiple, multiple treatments here. That doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, but it feels
1: like it does because of the cutting of the movie.
0: Yeah, I don't get what the timeline is in this film, how much time passes, how much time he'll spend practicing magic i will say with the hands though yeah they never do heal it seems and that was a little bit of a disappointment as a fan of those original dicto the artist comics where he just drew the weirdest finger motions and i was really hoping to see some of that because that is such a trademark of dr strange just these weird finger poses that he does to conjure up spells but i guess we'll have to wait for the sequel to get that
3: Well, you got that here in some of the other characters. They brought in someone named J-Funk. J-Funk? Is he a (laughs) DJ? (laughs) He apparently has a really impressive ability to hand dance and move his fingers in ways you wouldn't think are possible. They brought him in to teach Tilda Swinton and some of the others strange finger motions. I was happy to see Doctor Strange do the devil horns at one point. He doesn't raise them up in the air so it doesn't sell it, but he does.
0: I know, that that's <laughs> my favorite pose of his.
3: Yeah, I, I thought he was going to shoot some webs, but no, there is some finger motions here. He is going to do quite a few finger motions here, but of course he has to go learn that his hands are irrelevant under the tutelage of Tilda Swinton, which... He just walks around, Catman dude, just going Kamertage? Kamertage?
0: Yeah, I find that funny. Like it's like if you walked around L.A. like asking, you know, where some nightclub is, and it's over in like uh, Hollywood or something. Like it would take you forever to find it.
1: It's a way to go, but usually not very successful. It's only because he was almost mugged, but Mordo is able to. Pick him out and take him to where he wants to go.
0: Yeah, Mordo happened to hear him say Kamataj and started following him around.
3: And this is the 3D shot that I found impressive, is where the two of them are walking to Kamataj, and it's very narrow depth of field showing them in the sea of people in Kathmandu, and... It just had such depth and clarity. That was the one shot that I'm like, damn, that is really good looking. And they really filmed in Kathmandu too. All of the locations. They went to Hong Kong, they went to New York, they went to London, and they went to Kathmandu. So, but not Everest. Not Everest. But we'll talk about that. None of them could survive Everest. But they really were authentic with their filming locations. None, no green screen bullshit.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't expect that. I mean, they, they've they done that through many of their movies. And it, yeah, as soon as I saw the guy in the Shanjan jacket I'm like yeah that's globalization we're actually at the place if they were trying to fake it they would have everyone in costumes but yeah this feels real but this is the point where I really had uh, you know I've already made a reference to Golden Child and of course that being a childhood favorite I'm going to think about that if we're in Nepal but there is a bigger reference and it's got to be brought up at this point with his scraggly beard coming into this mystical dojo to learn his craft from a character that's going to prove to be somewhat villainous, Batman Begins, right? We got to get into the Marvel versus DC, how they approach things here.
3: I got that right out of the trailer is that this was going to be very Batman begins of especially again a wealthy man leaving it all behind as well. Yeah, he looks like
1: Bale. I mean, a taller version of Bale, but the beard and everything. I mean, it's I don't know if they're doing it intentionally. I know sometimes they do, and in many cases, actually in all previous cases, I feel like Marvel proves that their way of handling things with a lighter tone can be just as effective or better than the way that DC and Christopher Nolan can make things feel somber and serious. You know. Dark Knight is so full of real-world anxieties, but Marvel has a way of, yeah, we'll bring in terrorist or whatever in Iron Man, but I'm going to make you laugh. We're going to entertain you. We're going to keep it light. And obviously, Civil War was a better superhero duke out than Batman versus Superman. That approach has worked for them up until this point. And I've got to say, the comparatives are only going to hurt this movie. This is painful in how it's striving to be Batman Begins and not
3: hitting it. I'll agree with you in that I also had to come to the terms that Batman Begins did it better. I'm not going to say it's a better movie, but this part of it, it sold me better on his journey. The montage sold me better on his training. I don't get that here. There's just giant leaps. I feel it really comes down to editing more than anything. Yes. Batman Begins made me believe in his transformation. This movie didn't. I don't feel as strongly about it as you do, though. I don't feel this is ruinous the way you seem to imply.
0: Yeah, I never got a Batman Begins vibe, maybe because it doesn't compare to what Nolan did. I just, I like that take more. I really got a Matrix vibe. I feel like we're getting Neo and Morpheus when... Strange finally meets the Ancient One and we're going to get all this talk about metaphysics and what's going on in this other realm and jumping out of our body. Like It almost feels like that monologue from the architect at the end of Reloaded when he meets the Ancient One and starts learning about the multiverse.
1: Yeah, when Mordo says, forget everything you know, I'm like, okay, I didn't see Matrix, I didn't see Batman Begins, I'm going to impress all of it. And I just pretend like this is the first time I've ever seen a superhero learn this stuff
3: now the multiverse was an interesting take on this they're still trying to tie it a little bit to science they actually had in the script I don't think it was ever filmed the sister stuff was filmed but they were going to open at CERN with real world research being done on alternate dimensions parallel universes string theory and all of that you know trying to Neil deGrasse Tyson their way into realism on here
1: Mm -hmm.
3: well don't do that because then Neil
0: deGrasse Tyson will tweet about how you got it all wrong
3: But you know what? I do feel like that
0: Thor film, that first one, oh, what you call magic and science, it's all the same thing, but they're still just shooting lasers and that feels like a swords and sandals fantasy film. I never felt like science and magic were melded in that. I do feel like they give a more plausible explanation. Like I'm buying it more here. Still not buying it, but I'm <laughs> buying it more here that like, oh, we're tapping into all this energy around us from the multiverse and we're pulling it into our realm. Like I, I buy that more than what what they try to do in Thor.
3: I'll go so far, except for one thing. I mean, I understand they're trying to take an audience who's watched 13 science fiction movies and get us to accept sorcery. But when Tilda Swinton tries to say, if that word offends you, think of it as a program, the source code of the universe. I, my eyes hurt from rolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matrix. <laughs> she says a lot. I didn't even notice that line here, but
1: yeah, I like the concept of, can we scientifically or in any way diagnose the soul. You know, that that realm has always been relegated to religion and here we're going to she's going to knock really the spirit out of his body to prove to him that we are more than our physiology, that his doctor science is a keyhole and that he needs to look at a bigger picture here. That's always kind of a fun concept. We want to have our mind blown and we do because she's going to Push him into the astral dimension for a little bit.
0: Yeah, I got to believe this looks great in 3D. It looked fine in 2D, but it's real trippy. I do love that moment where he's looking at his hands. And again, the concept of fractals, if you study that, like hands coming out of hands coming out of hands like forever. It it gets real crazy.
3: That was freaky. When he gets sent into that dimension, yeah, it's kaleidoscopy. It reminded me of Spirograph, where even I couldn't draw something <laughs> ugly. And it just was amazingly weird and blacklight Yeah, day glow all the way this whole movie is like yeah it's total blacklight i felt like again i said this about the tv movie too is i'm not stoned enough but if i were this would really blow my mind if i was 19 and partying again i would just be sitting there like this is so true man
0: (laughs) and i'll say this stuff got a reaction out of the audience i was with they were going on this trip with doctor strange they were liking it
3: yeah, I mean, I like it
1: pretty well. I mean, I've seen 2001, and probably a lot of the younger audience hasn't, so I feel like some of this stuff is familiar, but which is not to say that seeing it with this budget or for this long isn't fun to do. We do go to that dimension that Yellow Jacket got left in, right? Did you guys think that there was going to be an Ant-Man tie for a second? Because I think we were there.
0: Well, Arnie mentioned that's what we saw in Ant-Man. I thought that was some small universe, but Arnie said that was leading up to Doctor Strange.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that is what they'd said. It doesn't really feel that way. You know, Doctor Strange never gets really small, but the discussion that they go into that alternate dimension in Ant-Man does lead to the multiverse of infinite dimensions we're going to fit here. So yeah, that Avengers movie I postulated with Ant-Man and Doctor Strange. Well, I guess we're going to get it. It
0: all counts. You got to watch Ant-Man to get this.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't even sure that Corey Stoll wouldn't be the major villain, but we'll discuss what we get <laughs> instead. But the question really isn't about villains. I mean, it is who are you in this multiverse? The movie is trying to stay focused on Strange and his journey. I think at a cost to... What we're supposed to think of as the enemy and Cassilius and all of that. I mean, that is long out of our thoughts at this point. They have some cutaway scene of them performing a spell or something, just to remind you. And they're always bringing him up, but... I don't know what relevancy he has to do with this plot.
0: Yeah, we'll see the sorcerers, the ancient one and the other Mordo and Wong. They're sitting around some glowy globe of the earth. Tibetan Cerebro
1: is what I called it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, the, doing something. I mean, they kick Strange out of their temple after this. Like, he's not allowed to practice after he goes on this trip.
3: It's Fight Club, right? You got to stand on the doorstep for five hours before they'll let you in
0: exactly what I was thinking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know if that's what they were
1: referencing, but maybe. Who knows? I mean, that this movie is obviously not going for that level of intensity, but yeah, I actually think that the ancient one, or T-A-O, Tao as I'm going to call her, because it's too cumbersome, makes it simple, and you know, it's very Zen-like, so we'll go with that, but yeah, I think that she is done with him because of Cassilius. There's this backstory reference that they had this contentious falling out. I don't think I realized that the library scene was was that falling out? That felt like one of many battles they would have already had? Well, no, no, no.
0: Yeah, that wasn't the falling out, was it? It had to happen before that.
3: It absolutely was. You needed to read the prequel comics, guys. There were three prequel comics... Two of which focused on Caecilius. The first one where he's egotistical and arrogant and thinks he alone can take down this evil sorceress and then realizes he needs a team. The second one was far more interesting, which is where he realizes the ancient one is using dark powers and goes around and talks with the other disciples and it gives his backstory. Later on, he's going to be talking to Strange, and he says everyone goes there to be healed. What he was trying to be healed for, his pregnant wife died, and so he has nightmares of his wife and child dead. He goes there to learn necromancy. He wants to bring them back from the dead, and in fact, that's the spell I thought he was stealing, because when he first rips those pages out, the Ancient One says, this ritual will bring you only sorrow. I thought he was trying to resurrect some zombies here, but... It is all explained in those prequel comics that you can, you know, get for Kindle, like I did.
0: Uh, I, yeah, I had the sense that this had been going on longer. That this was Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker. Like she lost him, and and I guess that makes strange Ray. Doesn't want to train him. Too scared to teach someone the Force, because obviously Tao has some reservations about teaching someone because of what happened with Cassilius.
1: Yeah, and I love Mads Mikkelsen. I just want to say, I think that he was one of the best Bond villains in Casino Royale. He may be the best Hannibal Lecter. That's, I know, a really high bar, (laughs) but that TV show performance was so great. I was so happy that he was the villain, but man, I just don't feel like he gets a whole lot to do in this movie. There's always referencing to how bad he is, but if all we have to go on for most of the movie is that opening scene, just wasn't badass enough.
0: He's like all Marvel cinema villains. Like, seems really cool, but no backstory, no development.
3: He knows. He said in an interview that he understands that Marvel villains are underdeveloped, and he is going to do the best he can to bring his character some depth in the screen time he has, but this isn't his movie. A few things happened here, though. First of all, The villain was supposed to be Mordo. I mean, I think this may be news to Stuart, but for everybody else, Baron Mordo is one of, like, Doctor Strange's arch... Nemesis. Yeah, he trained Cassilius in the comics. Yeah. Well,
1: they're obviously going to tip their hat to that at the end of the movie. I did not know watching the movie, but I assumed he was a sidekick. But yeah, it's very clear he's going to be a villain.
3: Yeah, they go the entire Green Lantern Sinestro route here, right? That's what they did with Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern as well as the Mm. end scene as your friend is now your enemy. But in talking with Chewie, the actor, and looking at that, they decided to make Mordo more this friend character and evolve him into a bad guy. So they brought Kaecilius out, who's this very minor character and it's not a great villain, but in the pantheon of these 14 Marvel movies he might be one of the best. I mean, when I'm comparing him to the Dark Elves and I'm comparing him to Ronin and things, this guy at least has a motivation. He wants eternal life. He's somebody who's fighting for what he thinks is right, not just being evil for evil's sake. He has some motivation there is it great no but if i'm going to compare this movie to iron man he's a hell of a lot better than iron monger
1: yeah the point you're really making is villains are weak in the marvel universe not that he's so great in this movie i don't feel like he is great in this movie i think he's a great actor that gets a couple mediocre scenes
0: and yet we're all waiting for thanos to show up like that seems like everyone wants the <laughs> ultimate bad guy we have no reason to believe he's going to be any good either
1: Mm-mm.
3: well loki was good in the first avengers i mean he's my high bar
1: yes exactly i thought he sucked in thor but i guess he did i said
3: avengers
1: yeah yeah he pulled it out for avengers
3: yeah i thought he sucked in thor too if you go back to that show i i went into avengers going he's the bad guy that sucks And Mm -hmm. he pulled it out. Yeah. But, I mean, when comparing them to, yeah, Yellow Jacket and (laughs) Abomination. All of the above. I mean, again, I think that
1: it's only a problem in the sense that it gives our hero nothing to fight about. But I do like the fact that we stay focused on a hero character because I think it's so easy in superhero movies to be more seduced by villainy than heroic. So that Marvel can make a movie about them, that's cool. That said, I feel like these scenes where Strange becomes Strange and gets his outfit and all of that feel rushed feel uninteresting, feel like the least compelling part of the movie.
0: I'm surprised they just didn't do a montage. I I was actually surprised they took this long on it because, yeah, we're going to see him. He's going to be doing some martial arts and then he's going to take an interest in the books and he's going to use his magic ring to steal books from the library and have that confrontation with Wong. I, I feel like this is where the movie starts getting funny. Like slapsticky, like yeah. in, with that interaction with Wong and like, oh, hey, Beyonce. And then Wong is listening to Beyonce on his iPod. Like the tone starts getting weird here.
3: Yeah. Wong, he's our odd job character, right? I mean, to go to tropes, he, the way he's kind of stocky, bald humorless.
0: In the comic, Wong is Strange's like oriental servant. That's also kind of a sorcerer. I mean, so at least they made it more progressive here.
3: He was in the TV movie. He was in a different way. Uh, He looked different. He acted different. I've read some of the Dr. Strange comics are really crossovers. And yet Wong seemed to exist only to bring him tea. That's all I've ever seen Wong do is bring him tea or worry. The master is missing. I must go get somebody to help find the master. Here, I like the portrayal a lot, but the fact that he refused to laugh, well, that's actually indicative of me because I refuse to laugh at these jokes too. Beyonce, Eminem, these are not funny jokes.
0: The audience I was with thought they were funny. Like, people were laughing throughout.
3: Yeah, it depends on who you ask. One of my audiences was dead silent. The opening night audience was actually laughing along. And I'm like, I get that this is what humor might feel like to somebody who doesn't know how to tell a joke but <laughs> the only joke i laughed at is where dr strange said people used to think i'm funny and Wong goes did that work for you because i'm like no it does not
0: Yeah, no, that that does seem self-referential because, yeah, the humor isn't working. I wanted a dark sorcerer fantasy tale, and I feel like this is the influence of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, we're going to get some pop music early on. We're going to get jokes. I, I feel like because that film was so successful, I mean, people said Suicide Squad was a copy of Guardians. I do think that has become a template now, which... That is so bizarre because Guardians is a template for superhero films now, but I do feel that effect on this film.
3: I don't see that. I think this is Iron Man. Iron Man had the Black Sabbath music and some of the punk music. I think just because Guardians had a trailer before this and its influence is far-reaching, no, this is going way back to 08. This is much older than Guardians.
1: Marvel has always been lighter in tone. They've always had humor in all of it. Sometimes it can be ruinous, Thor being the one that I would hold up. but I love yes, that one. They've always been light on their feet with that, and that's not necessarily a complaint. The problem is, I think, as you pointed out, Jacob, the humor feels very juvenile. It feels oriented to a demographic way below adults, like... I felt like when I watched Guardians, certainly when I watched Ant Man, I was watching an animated movie that wasn't animated. Like, I know that people love to go and watch the, you know, Minions or something, but to me, that is toxic. I hated the Lego movie. I don't want to watch a comedy like that. And comedy is subjective. So the problem I'm having is, yes, not only am I not getting the Doctor Strange movie I want, but for the rest of this movie, it is slowly infected by the spell of Disney. And we're just seeing it become more and more juvenile when I wanted it to become more and more scary.
3: I disagree with juvenile. Yes, there's going to be some slapstick later on with the cloak. And he is going to try to tell these jokes and they're not going to work. But I think this is a minority. This film is fairly serious. I read one of the interviews with, I think it was again, Tilda Swinton, where she said, this is a grown-up movie about a grown-up man with grown-up problems who deals with them in a grown-up way. What? Maybe for the scene she was in, it was about that. That is not the movie I saw.
0: There's definitely a tone shift that I feel. Once he becomes a sorcerer, which it should go the opposite. It should feel more adult and more scary.
3: I just love how... When he's trying to learn his powers, the first weapon he creates, it looks like he's pulling taffy between his hands or silly putty or something. We did see Casilius's
0: henchmen. That's I mean, they made like laser ropes to string up the librarian before they cut up his
3: head. Yeah, but light whips I could take this little taffy thing. I'm like, that's supposed to look bad. Right. But then it turns out to defend him. And of course, his first portal. He can't do the magic. He can't do the magic. It's very karate kid. I can't do anything. You just have me sanding your deck and then learns he has the power when he's taken to the top of Everest, where he is told somebody can survive there 30 minutes, not in pajamas and not without (laughs) an oxygen tank. He would be dead like the moment they got up there without oxygen and she just leaves him there. Okay, I guess he's using some other kind of magic for air well I just found it funny is
0: that they need and I guess they explain this there's some types of magic where you need to harness the power through an object but they have to wear these rings to create these portals and like we'll see that again and again he'll lose the ring I thought they were going to go the way of space balls and it was going to be like the shorts no that was just to give you something to believe in you just need to believe in yourself though and you could create these portals
1: well the amputee can't use the sling ring so I think it does work as that I mean I think it's just kind
3: of like the top in Inception the amputee had one hand I think he the ring on that hand didn't he but jacob is a sling ring actually from the comics because all it made me think of was the thing ring from Hanna barbera i don't know but it's 16 dollars if
1: you want one i'm gonna pass
0: i i think they might be illegal they look like brass knuckles
1: <laughs> <laughs> they did look like brass knuckles that didn't actually fit
0: i've never seen a sling ring in the few doctor strange comics i've read him creating portals has never been a big issue I, I do feel like they simplify things for this like you got to give a few magic powers that you're going to see over and over again you're going to see lots of laser shields lots of portals laser whips and not much other magic which was kind of a disappointment to me
3: derrickson again said he wanted a different kind of magic film he didn't want people just to stand around throwing spells at each other pointing wands at each other and so what we get is is, I feel, a martial arts film. A lot of these training scenes and things, I'm going back to Enter the Dragon and that kind of movie. Wait- I
0: was waiting for Iron Fist to show up.
3: Yeah, and also the James Bond film. Was it Golden Gun where they had the island of martial artists or something? It's just, yeah. I'm just t- going back to that trope. And yeah, Batman Begins did it as well. And it is uh, more about fighting styles and throwing kicks, and even though Mordo has some Super Mario shoes that allow him to jump on air, it felt very much like a kung fu movie with magic, and a lot of kung fu movies do invoke mysticism.
1: But who wants to watch a kung fu movie with Benedict Cumberbatch and Tilda Swinton? I mean, (laughs) I get that that can be a frame of reference, and Matrix has taught us that people that don't have the skills, we can fake it really good. But ultimately, I feel like every time that they're battling, it's just a way of making all this exposition exciting. We're like, we know that we just have to, like, vomit out all of these terms and what we do and equate the Avengers to us as magicians. I mean, they're trying like hell, and in order to keep that interesting, we see, yeah a lot of martial arts training battles a battle is exciting when you want to see somebody win just seeing fists being thrown and this just feels stagnant
0: yeah i'm kind of enjoying this training stuff because i do like martial arts film but i do agree stuart like i don't know what direction this movie is going in at this point there's lots of reading books lots of martial arts training where the hell is Cassilius? like where is this plot
3: the first time i watched this i was really intrigued Because I wanted to see where things were going and the spell Strange kept casting on his own. When he starts playing with time with the apple, I didn't even know that was time travel. I just thought he was messing with an apple. I didn't think he was taking the apple through time. But when he's doing all of this and being introduced to the mirror dimension where he can practice spells safely, I'm really into it. On my second viewing... It was a little bit less interesting because now I knew it, you know, when you're trying to just espouse things, you can only sit through the same lecture once. And then the fighting is where I had to draw my enjoyment. But I still like the one joke that works for me is when he's doing the portal with the hands coming through to steal Wong's books.
0: Yeah, it is a little slapsticky for me. But yeah, once he takes the Ancient One's book and starts reading the spells and he's doing the time travel thing with the apple, like that's where the plot I, I feel like finally picks up again. Okay there's something to do with time this is where the pages were ripped out I do love the fact that he uses that spell on the book just to fix it like no one else thought of that it's
1: forbidden
3: yes that's the point yeah it's taking it back in time and here's the thing I was having
1: trouble following the character's motivation he didn't strike me as someone that wanted to turn back time was the idea that he could actually stop the accident from happening I didn't understand that that was a thing he wanted to do
3: I don't think that's what he was trying to do at all. I think he was just exploring knowledge and forbidden knowledge. He's arrogant. He's like, well, I can do this. And so he's just learning spells randomly. He didn't go to that particular spell because he wants to turn back time on his hand.
1: But they work so heavily in here, the watch and time. And like that. that's his issue, that he wants to turn back time. And that he'll have to make the choice to be a magician or a doctor. I just...
3: That's a different metaphor. What they're trying to go with there is where he started at the beginning when he's yelling at the Ancient One. There is no soul. We're all just insignificant specks and moment of time in the cosmic universe. This is saying that time matters. But that's not his character arc. You establish a
1: character as having a problem. They experience something mystical where they have powers to do something about it and then they make a choice I thought his arc was, I want to fix my hands, and I want to go back to being a doctor. The, he wants to turn back time.
3: The other arc is that he learns lives matter. The whole thing with him not wanting to work in the ER, you only save one life, and one life is insignificant. To learn that time makes life significant. He's going to learn this through the death of the Ancient One, which we'll talk about in just a second, but that's his second arc. This is really muddy writing.
0: Yeah, you're saying a second arc. I didn't... It was that point yet. This is the point where he learns he can go back in time. This is how I'm reading it, at least. He could go back in time fix his hands that way after all that's why he's here learning magic he's been told that will fix his hands good as new so I thought that was his motivation but this movie is gonna all of a sudden pick up the pace and things are gonna start blowing up and sanctum santorums are gonna be under attack and we're just gonna move on we never get to explore if that's really what he wanted to do.
1: What is Cassilius wanting to do by destroying the sanctums?
0: There's three sanctums New York, Hong Kong because we gotta get that Chinese money and London.
1: Yeah there's three demographics Graphics, there are three world markets we need to do very successfully in. Europe, North America, and Asia. Why doesn't Dormammu
3: just attack the Southern Hemisphere?
0: Well, I don't know, because <laughs> these three Sanctums cast some spell across Earth to protect it.
3: I would think you'd want to find three points that triangulate to the center of the Earth, not three things on the Northern Hemisphere that create those little disks.
0: I don't know. Australia, are they a big movie market? New Zealand, no. Uh, south America, I don't know. I don't no. know who in south the Southern Hemisphere is a big movie market. Yeah. So those three Sanctum Sanctorums, though, they're just, they do something magic to protect the Earth, so they have to be destroyed their shields
1: i they had a graphic yes. yeah i get that why must they be destroyed so that the shields go down and this evil thing can come there? Yes. There's magic shields that are keeping him right now at bay? I thought he was in a different dimension.
0: Well, no, that's what they say. That magic wards off metaphysical threats from the multiverse.
1: So he can leave his dimension. He's not trapped in the dimension. He just hangs out there waiting to eat Earth.
0: Yeah, they say he eats other planets, eats other dimensions, I take it. Like, he consumes whatever he can.
3: Yeah, he was kind of galactic right? They call him all ravenous, all-powerful, the world destroyer.
0: And for reasons, he wants Earth. I don't know it's delicious
3: there's apparently interdimensional evils that just are constantly wanting to attack Earth he's the closest he wants Earth above all others I don't know if he's thirsty and we're mostly water but (laughs) he wants this one and so he is telling Cassilius that if we go there Every human will live forever because they are a dimension without time, and time is the real enemy. And this is what makes Cassilius slightly empathetic to me, is that he thinks he's doing good. His, You know, especially with the backstory of the comic, his wife and child died, he's trying to make it so nobody dies again. That is noble. It's a weird way to go about nobility, but he's very Machiavellian. And why is his eyes so screwed up? Because he's tapped into...
0: The, here's the thing I don't get, is we'll find out the Ancient One has tapped into this dark energy, but when Consilius and his minions do, I don't know, they go all gem and have like glitter
1: around their eyes. Yeah, I just... Yeah, they belong in a backing band for David Bowie in 1974 or something. I...
3: They called on a lot more powers, though. The Ancient One was only drawing on the dark dimension to sustain her life, and that's the big revelation, is... Strange when he restored those pages is learning how the Ancient One became so ancient is by drawing on the Dark Dimension, but they're summoning Dormammu in that one spell we cut away to them seeing. That is them opening the door to the Dark Dimension and then... They start creating weapons that look like glass or something. It's totally different. They're using all of Dormammu's powers. The air shanks, as I call them.
0: They're folding actual physical material. They're taking the air and turning it into weapons, which I guess is a big deal with these sorcerers. They seem surprised that he could do that. Okay. And I guess that's how they take out London. I I guess that audience isn't that important. We're not going to see much of it. We just know it gets blown up and that explosion.
1: Brexit, uh, you know. Yes. (laughs) Less important now.
0: And Strange brexits India to go back to New York. He gets thrown into the New York Sanctum Santorum.
1: Okay. And so Strange has to step up his game. And this is where he gets his magical device that can fix all of his problems for him. Why read a book (laughs) when your cape could just go do all the fighting?
3: He also had the Eye of Agamotto this whole time. I found it funny that he takes this ancient relic, the Eye of Agamotto, the first sorcerer ever, Agamotto created the eye. He uses it to turn back time. He gets in trouble but they never take his jewelry away and I'm like, okay, this is where he gets that piece of jewelry. The other thing I know about Doctor Strange is he has his cloak and so this is where he picks that up. It is a little Wolverine here's your magic leather jacket that our dead son used to wear.
0: No, no, this goes full on Sorcerer's Apprentice with that hat that... (laughs) When that cape shows up, you know, it just starts doing everything for him. And, again, this tone is bad. Like, it is, again, it feels like a Mickey Mouse cartoon as it's dragging him around and wrapping itself around Minions' heads and and fighting him. This cape, I wish he never put it on.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kevin Smith was fired from Superman Lives... Because he wrote the idea that Superman's cape and uniform would go fly around and fight crime while the guy would sit on the couch and eat chips and watch television. And he was rightfully fired for that because that's really, really bad. But here we're supposed to expect that this cape can just do it all and it's, and, and be hilarious. It's a, it's a sidekick. And it is a solution to every problem thrown at him here. I, yeah, this was a big turning point for me. And it's harder, too, when you really hate something and the audience is laughing so loudly. It's just like, oh, no, you know, the
0: audience loved the cake.
1: now I'm polar opposite against every my everyone is my enemy because i'm I'm back in a situation <laughs> where I hold an opinion that no one else does. So please tell me that some of you did not enjoy
3: this cape. In my view, your eyes are turning purple and a little glittery because I liked the cape. When it shows up, first of all, I see it in the background in that cabinet, and I know it's going to be important, and Casilius has Strange down, is about to stab him in the chest, and the cape comes out and stops it, and stops it a couple of times, and then Strange gets thrown over the edge and when he rises up with that cape on him, it's one of the few badass moments in this movie. I love seeing him standing there just completely powerful with the eye and the cape and the magic. That was a great image created in this film. Now, I'll agree, there's one thing about the cape that I hate. And that's when Strange wants to go get an axe and the cape's like, no, no, come over here and grab this trap from Saw. I... Didn't like that. But the rest of it, I completely went with.
0: See, th- this movie is going to, take, and it's a complaint I've had about a lot of superhero films, because Strange is a doctor, this movie's going to take the route that he doesn't want to kill people. So I, I did like that moment. He goes for the axe. That makes the most sense. You you want to just chop this bad dude up. But no, he goes for this trap instead. The cape leads him to the right direction. And I do love that effect when he throws that trap on and it puts Caecilius into that weird pose. Like, that, that was a cool effect.
1: Yeah, I didn't get this conflict that he was didn't want to kill. Like that comes so much later and I'm just like, Huh? But you make choices not to help people all the time on your phone. Like I couldn't get a bead on our main character here. And the fact that he's gonna defer to a cape just kind of made me throw up my hands. And just like, <laughs> Okay, we don't have a hero in the center of this that I can follow. Yeah the worst part is after he gets stabbed mortally wounded and he's trying to go get help and the the cape like is going to like hold the bad guy by the head while he like goes to the ER and sees that love interest we haven't seen for about 40 minutes.
3: I was a little confused. Where did that guy who stabbed him come from? Because he threw some people out the window and then changed the channel. Because his back door led to different realms, and he leaves one in Dune, and he leaves the other to the forest dimension, wasn't he? He used a sling ring.
0: Cassilia says, oh, you don't notice you lost your ring. And that's where this minion, he, I guess he grabbed the sling ring and created a portal to come back into the Santorum.
3: Okay, I, I wish they'd shown us that because I was confused. It's but. not
0: very clear, yeah. I had to think about it when I saw it.
3: And it was during this scene that I really noticed the score of the film. I actually have liked this score all the way through, which is a little hard to say as I'm pretty hard on Michael Giacchino and some of his scores. I don't usually like his music. The one thing I really liked was his Star Trek 2009 score. And no wonder I like the music here because outside of like the Gregorian chant stuff, He ripped off the tone from that Star Trek theme, note for note. I just couldn't believe how much theft was going on. I mean, it's his own music. I guess he can steal it, but... Did you like the score? I always liked the Star Trek 2009 anthem, and I've said it's his one piece of music I hold up. And since he plagiarized it here, I like this too. And I did like some of the epic choral kind of duel of the fates from Star Wars and oh fortuna type of music he brought in here i really did like the score on this i wanted to wait because amazon always screws me they don't do the auto rip until the cd's been out for like six months and i was going to wait for six months to buy the score and i ordered it because it was really really good the surgery
0: scene this is the craziest scene is that he makes a portal with this thing ring sling ring i guess it's called and goes through to the ER like just walks into an operation with Christine is like okay start operating Mm -hmm. on me like
1: drop everything you're doing yeah
0: this is crazy like uh, obviously this isn't like an emergency room type situation here there's plenty of rooms open for him to just lay down and get operated on
3: he was never registered they never opened a chart she's completely alone in an operating (laughs) theater they're all losing their jobs where's his insurance card (laughs) do you see how he's dressed yeah well she actually talks about that she does say what are you wearing and later on, when they're running on the streets of New York wearing those clothes, they do look silly.
1: Yeah, I just, they're not doing a good job of convincing me. And I came already convinced. I mean, that's, I want to stress here. I came as a Doctor Strange aspiring fan. I want this to be my guy in the Marvel Universe. And he's not at this point.
3: But I do like the astral projection scene. I love when Strange is standing over himself while she's doing the surgery. And he's like coming out of this glass. Whoa! You love this fight? Yeah, the
1: fight was great. This is laughable. This is like Disney 1970s
3: Canterbury ghost crap. Marjorie did say Haunted Mansion, but... Yes. I thought this was a cool fight. Scott Derrickson had a challenge here. He has created the visual language for magic that now Marvel has to hew to. And so the astral dimension, everything turns a little bit blue and cold, and they're transparent. They are abiding by some things they can't like go through glass I guess but they can go through walls and the way they're fighting and he's going to die he is going to be killed in the astral dimension and his body is going to die they're establishing rules here that I found interesting, but it was actually the image of him standing over himself, still the egotist, saying, Christine, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> that I love.
0: No, I yeah, I, I did like that image. Like, he's coming out of mirrors because, I don't know, the mirror dimension, like the way he interacts with the physical dimension. Yeah, I did like some of the imagery here. This fight... Again, it just goes on a bit too long and it all comes down to a defibrillator, like giving
1: him, giving his spirit, I guess, energy to defeat this bad guy. I don't know what to say. If you think this is good, okay. That If you can imagine someone that thinks this is really not good, you can imagine my state of mind.
0: I wouldn't say really not good. I just think it goes on a bit longer. It's like
1: like Casper. Who wants to watch this? I'm an adult.
0: I expect this, though, with Doctor Strange. I I guess having read some of the comics, I know he astral projects. I know he has these out-of-body experiences, so this doesn't seem out of place to me.
3: Hell, he did it in the 1978 TV movie too. I.
1: It's the way that it is done. This feels like slapstick comedy that would involve Paul Rubens or something in the 80s. Well, th- it,
0: that is the problem is that some of the comedy they do during it might lessen the effect yes. for you. I do agree there. Again, the tone is the problem, like that they're knocking chips out of the vending machine and Dr. Nick West is stealing them. Like it takes the danger away. And I feel like if any Marvel film should feel dangerous. It should be when you're dealing with demons from different dimensions.
1: Ant-Man had to laugh at himself because that's a dumb idea. And Guardians is its own midnight movie, but this isn't supposed to be the funny one. And it's the most offensive in its humor. They can't stand the idea of actually exploring the occult and taking this stuff seriously. So, yeah, it gets turned into Casper 3. And I just, I couldn't believe it at this point. And poor Rachel McAdams having to do all these spit takes. I just what an awful part for her to constantly <laughs> be like whoa
0: yeah she she has to scream when a, like a mop falls down because she's so scared
3: this is terrible I didn't find it terrible I kind of found the fight interesting I was curious what happens if you die in the astral dimension. I mean, I know Strange is going to win, but it's at least a different type of fight than I've seen in all of these comic book movies we've watched. So I enjoyed it for that. And I was not thinking Casper. I was not thinking Haunted Mansion. I was just thinking that this was a new type of fight. I found the tiny Ant-Man fight far sillier than this.
0: But that was supposed to be silly.
3: The humor that worked for me is when he's like, I have to go to a cult meeting. You know, when the whole cult lines work, it's the only time I actually
0: laugh. You know, I'm glad when this astral projection stuff's done, when he goes back to the Sanctum Santorum in New York, and now Mordo and the Ancient One are there, and strange things I think he thinks it's helping because he doesn't want to kill, so he casts the mirror dimension around Cassilius and all of them. But Cassilius, I guess his magic is so strong he's able to manipulate. I don't know. They, they say something about his powers being even more strong in the mirror dimension. I don't know why. I guess because he's tapping into Dormammu.
3: They say because he's using dark dimensional powers that it's stronger in the mirror dimension. So I guess it gets better cell signal in the mirror dimension than in our dimension. <laughs> but... It does trap him. I mean, even though Mordo's pissed off because they're trapped in there with him, he is trapped. Mordo seems to be pissed off that what they've done is suicide. I consider it self-sacrifice. If they can just get their own sling ring out of there, they have effectively trapped Cassilius.
1: I don't understand Mordo either. I mean, his motivations are completely, <laughs> that he gets so offended here and that somehow Tao has done something so awful by tapping into Dumamo's power or whatever. Dormamoo. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to call it Dormamoo. It's Dummo. Dumamo is so bad or something. I'm like, what? She had a private email server and she conducted her black <laughs> magic and I'm just over her.
0: Well, I, I think that is part of the point is that Mordo, and he's compared to Cassilius. like they're rigid. They think that there are only certain rules that apply, and you gotta be more zen about it. You gotta learn that you gotta bend those rules sometimes. So I guess that's Mordo's arc.
1: Okay, I guess. I don't understand any of these characters. I don't understand what she's done that's so bad. I don't know why he's so jilted that he's gonna go and break someone's back again. I don't know why Strange wants to be a part of this team. It
0: could be just because it was Benjamin Bratt. (laughs) Yeah. It's better than Bratz. That's what you do.
3: Catwoman revenge. Well, Mordo, I mean, they hint later on that she says his soul was forged by the fires he endured in youth. And he's just very rigid. The rules are the rules. And if you follow them, you're doing good. And if you start messing with space-time continuum and dark dimensions, he says something that I feel is... At least very zen. The bill will come due. You know, it's bad karma and so you're inviting bad things by messing with this.
1: Yeah, he doesn't like the moral grayness of what she might have been doing. But since we have no idea who Domamu is and how bad he is and what all of this means it's all dialogue gobbledygook I don't understand what's at stake here. And I certainly don't understand saying oh you've messed with the dark arts and then gone and done something more horrible than she ever will. But this is my frustration at this point. I was Never with this movie, but I was okay with it up until The Cape. And now this is, this is pretty bad all around. <laughs> and
0: no, you know what? I, I've forgiven The Cape at this point. I, not for what it's done in this movie, but at this point, when they're just running around New York and it's all kaleidoscoping out in this mirror dimension, again, as a visual film i love how it looks i love what it's doing i love what they come up with
1: you're right that is something to celebrate that they have taken and gone next level that this is inception 2 is a lot of fun and there's not enough of that stuff i i wish the whole thing could i wish this were the climax here we get our stan lee cameo he's reading doors of perception on the bus that they slam into (laughs) while the whole
3: thing's going wonky yeah i like that cameo I love it when the Marvel movies are good enough that I'm not looking for Stan Lee and then he shows up.
1: Yeah, I had forgotten that he would. And so it was at the right moment. Your mind is otherwise preoccupied.
3: And yeah, I completely love when they're in the city folding in upon itself. It took me a second viewing, but Avengers Tower is in there during all of this. And again, apparently, per Derrickson, Strange had been training a year before this happened. This is perhaps the best part, and when the Ancient One shows up and she creates that spiral graph platform where they're going to have their final battle, it looks amazing. But as soon as she showed up, something in my mind went, oh, she came to die.
1: No, I you know, I can tell you when that happened, when she was called the Sorcerer Supreme an hour ago. I'm like, oh, wait, but he's the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, this movie is telegraphed. I mean, she's going to later be like, I don't see your future. I'm like, I'm not clairvoyant. And I saw it at the beginning. <laughs>
0: Yeah, again, I don't think this is as sophisticated as you might want something that has to do with the occult to be. I'll agree with you there, but I also feel as a Marvel comic book movie, it is at the right level. It's that weird paradigm is like, what audience are you going to go for? Which one do you want to alienate? And I guess they're more comfortable alienating the stewards of the world.
1: I'm not their fan. They don't need to please me. I get yes. it. I wanted them to do something outside the box. They're staying inside the box. And so that's my issue to deal with. But I also want to stress, I just don't think this is a very good movie. I don't feel like the jokes are very funny. Even the action, the spectacle is amazing. When we see the trippiness, sure, but I don't feel like I'm get caught up in this acting. I don't even know who to root
3: for. I know who to root for. It's very clear. You don't root for the people with the purple eyes and (laughs) the ancient one is somewhere in the middle because she's got the forehead tattoo of evil. But when he stabs through his own disciple to kill her, that shocked me a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay. you know, it makes sense to go Darth Vader, but I didn't see it coming. And yes, I'm looking and seeing a lot of Star Wars parallels here. Cassilius is Darth Vader. Dormammu is the Emperor, you know? And here, (laughs) Obi-Wan has to die.
0: Yeah, I'm just shocked that when... The ancient one falls. I don't know how many stories in the real world and smashes on the pavement. How they think they're going to save her like that? They think there's a chance
3: <laughs> that there's still a heartbeat. Christine can
1: do it, Christine, and it has to be her. <laughs> like that's the nearest hospital. She's the doctor on call. Yes. It's hilarious. I was la- I was literally laughing at the movie at this
3: point. I was actually shocked though and stunned with the hardness that the ancient one hits the cement, and then I was like, wait. She's still alive?
0: Yeah, no, I was shocked that she was still alive.
3: There was no magic that broke a little of her fall. I mean, this just took me out of the movie. I'm like, so in real life, would somebody possibly still be alive? Because movies tell me no, but now this movie is telling me yes. What do I believe?
1: And, And don't forget she was also stabbed. I think she's dead, but slowing it down, right? Like She has the ability to bend time, so like she's just dying in increments. But yeah, she's a goner. And she's holding on to it. She gets a scene. She hops out of her body, and Strange is in his astral form, and they're staring at a crackle of lightning. And That looks great. I, that was awesome. She's talking about how she's going to give up life and how he's going to take over.
3: The deep conversation was full of obviousness. Oh, you mean Jonathan healed himself with magic? Oh, you mean... Life is short and so that's why it's precious and the Ancient One knew that despite being seemingly immortal and then when she goes, Steven, you have to realize it's not all about you. What does that have to do with anything? The ending is all about him. Yeah, <laughs> so what exactly. does this teach us? <laughs> it's about
0: self-sacrifice, that he was never willing to take the risk.
3: Yeah,
1: thinking of the universe. Don't think about your career. Think about how much good you could do in the universe by flying around and letting your cape do everything. <laughs>
3: But his cape doesn't do that after the beginning. I mean, the cape saves his life when he's introduced to the cape. After that, the cape pretty much just gives him the ability to fly and it wipes away his tears in, a you know, kind of a touching moment.
0: No, it ruined a touching moment.
3: People loved it.
0: I know that, Stuart, but it ruined it for me like that. Why does it have to be punctuated with a joke?
3: I like the bromance with the cape. It's far more believable than anything with Rachel McAdams. Yeah, and she
1: gets a cursory goodbye here. Again, how are we to think about this? Is this some Jane, I love you, but we can't be together moment? Or is it really like, hey, I got my job, you got yours. We're just growing apart. We were just a fling.
3: It's hard to tell. We don't really, we don't even see her again. This is like the end. She failed to save the Ancient One's life, and she may return in a sequel. She may not.
0: Yeah, we're we're off to
3: Hong Kong. We're done with her. We're done with New York. And Hong Kong looks great. I love just the look of the city. I haven't seen it featured in a lot of films. To go there and see its already neon skyline, the dark dimension is coming in because the Hong Kong Sanctum has fallen. And again, the visuals on this are perhaps the best of any Marvel movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, devil's in the details. And I like when he starts reversing time here to save the Sanctum Sanctorum in Hong Kong. We'll see Casilius. What is that Edgar Allan Poe story? where He gets bricked up in a wall as it goes back together.
3: Cascava Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I do like some of the stuff, like how you see the bad guys getting it as things go in reverse. There, there's some creativity here.
1: You know, it's always a problem for me to talk enthusiastically about a movie that I've turned against. But I suppose, yeah, if you were having a good time, this would be satisfying. I'm out of the movie. My soul has left the theater and it's going down the hall. You're in the dark
0: dimension. (laughs) That's
1: where you are. To see if, no, I'm trying to find a movie I want to watch. Trolls? That came out this weekend. (laughs) Okay, you got me. I don't want to see Trolls even more.
3: Yeah, I was scared to death when I went to the theater. I'm like, why are all these kids here for Doctor Strange? It's a satanic movie. Oh, they all went to Trolls. Thank God. Yeah. And then it wasn't satanic at all, but...
1: It isn't satanic at all, and I guess it's a good-looking, exciting end. I'm not excited. I don't know what to tell you. There's some destruction. We see some fake death of Wong and other people, and then they Superman the motion picture it, and he can flip time.
3: (laughs) I was definitely thinking Superman, but I like it in that, first of all, there's a fight while things are turning back. Cassilius and his men are able to use magic to break out of the time stream, and there's risk There is risk in doing this because of screwing with the natural order and breaking the time continuum. Because we've been told there's right. And what I really like about this movie, I just like it so much. Jacob, you already called out Doctor Strange doesn't want to kill, and I like that. But I also like how the ending is going to be just like screw fighting Caecilius. This is stupid. This is endless. Doctor Strange takes off. Mordo thinks he's a coward because he's flying away, but he's going into the dark dimension. He's He uses intelligence. This is so refreshing to have a different ending than people just punching each other.
0: No, I agree. And even though, again, this is not very sophisticated, it is for teenagers. And yes, you go to a timeless zone. Of course you introduce time. Of course that's how you're going to mess with it. And because we've seen that throughout the film is... Strange, obsessed with watches, obsessed with turning back time, moving it forward, you know, messing with it with spells. Like, of course that's what he's gonna do, but I like what he does. Like, I love when Dormammu realizes, like, Strange keeps showing up, and he's like, what is going on? Like, what is this trick you're pulling on me? It's because he's introduced time. He's created a time loop where he can't die. He'll just show up every time Dormammu kills him.
1: I agree. It's novel, and they were trying to think of a way to show other than flexing muscles and pushing something on him, or setting off a bomb like how do you do something that doesn't involve a physical act a negotiation is that something that the character set up that he does has he been that kind of crafty clever person in his former life i don't see that it's a payoff from anything
3: it's a penance though this is the character's evolution is where he is going to sacrifice himself to an eternity of pain To save the world.
1: I get that. Yeah, they wanted to show that a narcissist would die for others. That is the evolution. And so in that way, it works. But I don't don't really like the design of this end creature, for one thing.
0: Oh, see, I really like that. He's in the shadows. It's like he's a negative space creature.
3: He is, in the comics, a stripey burning skull. Here, they've kept stripey, taken away the burning. Interesting, though, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. If that voice sounded smog to you... Benedict asked if he could also play Dormammu in addition to Strange, thinking that Dormammu is formless, and so he would just take on a version of Strange's own form to interact with Strange, and so he did the mocap for the face, and he did the voice, but that he is just going to die again and again, and what I got thinking about was how long does this go on? I mean, I had that question about a lot of things in this movie. How long was his hand surgeries between them? Because you gotta heal from one before you do another. How many times did he die? It becomes a montage of death. And to It's Groundhog's Day. Yeah. And you know what I looked up is I knew Ramis had come out, Harold Ramis, and said how long Groundhog Day lasted for Bill Murray's character, and it was 30 to 40 years of him reliving that day.
1: That's how long Groundhog Day lasted for Bill Murray?
3: Yeah. Okay. So I'm wondering, how long did this go on before Dormammu finally realized? Because what Strange was offering was this is eternity. This is epic. This is like Greek myth of two beings fighting for eternity, trapped in this place. One good, one evil. And how many times did he die? How much did he suffer? This could have been centuries, because time was frozen on Earth. And when he comes back, it's actually earlier in time, but how much did he suffer to pay for his sins? This is his crucifixion and resurrection.
0: Yeah, because he's in a timeless zone. You never know.
1: Quibble. Christ was on the cross for a while. These look like instantaneous deaths. I don't know that he would be in that much pain because, yeah, one spearing and and it's over. But he screams a lot. I get your point. Yes. And that is it's a movie where they're trying to downplay violence for the younger set. And so good. We don't need to see agony and blood at this point. I get the point that they're trying to make. It's an ending. And if I had felt like this was his journey, I would say it was the right one. But they didn't sell me on the idea that this was a character that needed to learn self-sacrifice. I don't know how to feel about Doctor Strange.
3: I just like the ending. I like that it's a different type of ending. Cassilius and his followers burn up as they're taken into the dark dimension and... It is a little bit rote. Guess what? That deal you made with the devil, turns out you're not going to like it. It's, you know, it's eternal life, but it's not the life you're going to want. It's going to be a life of torment. And Strange is now left and Mordo's pissed. He walks off. Ancient One's dead. And the Order needs to rebuild.
0: Yeah, and Strange gives up that eye necklace. He puts it back, and that's when we find out it's actually an infinity stone. I had no idea.
3: Yeah, i I'd have forgotten about
1: infinity stones. So, what can we rattle them off? What are they at this point? There was the Tesseract, there was whatever, the, the Ether or whatever it was, Vision is oh, one. Oh, that's right.
3: Here's what we got. The first one was the Tesseract, that's the Space Stone. Yeah. So, we've seen that in three movies. Okay, really the Avengers is where that got introduced. Then... In Loki's scepter is a second one, the yellow mind stone. Oh, And that okay. ends up going into Vision's head. Okay, all right.
1: So that's Vision.
3: The ether is the red reality stone. Okay. And that was left in the collection of the collector when last we saw it. Yeah. The... Purple Power Stone was the orb that they were chasing in Guardians, and that was left at the Nova Corps for safekeeping. Then we have the Green Time Stone here. The last one is the Soul Stone. We saw it in Guardians in that flashback. It's orange, and it will be shown sometime here in Phase 3. I'm guessing it will not be in Spider-Man. So
0: <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp. I, I predict Ant-Man and the Watch. <laughs> That's
3: too late. That's after the Infinity War.
0: Wow, they really put that far off. So just in case they don't have to do it.
3: They're doing it. But I think that when Thor went and took his bath, it's gonna show that Thor Ragnarok
0: oh, that's right. is
3: really the prologue to Avengers Infinity War. Okay. There's a lot to do in Thor Ragnarok. We'll talk about that when we get to Thor, which is pretty soon. I mean Well no,
0: we should talk about it now because there's a mid credit scene.
3: <laughs> yeah, we get to him right here. Yeah. That apparently Doctor Strange doesn't like him. Doctor Strange has become protector of the New York Sanctum. He apparently has a most wanted or most a a terrorist watch list for interdimensional beings and Loki is up there. And so Thor and Loki are apparently going to come to New York in Ragnarok, which also is going to have the Hulk in it. Uh, Looking for his father. I'm like, Anthony Hopkins is coming back. Wasn't he sleeping at the end of the last one? I thought it was an eternal sleep, but we don't know what happened. We thought Loki (laughs) died because he was stabbed and Loki lived, and Loki took Odin's place on the throne. No, oh, that's right. We've seen set photos of Anthony Hopkins in full armor walking around the streets of New York. So, yes, apparently that's going on. If this scene with Thor's refilling beer glass felt different, because it felt different to me. I'm like, this is odd. First of all, Thor looks toned down. I mean, he's sitting there in a jean jacket. I felt like I was
0: watching Ghostbusters again. I thought I was watching Kevin, the way he looks at his beer as it fills up again on its own. I thought
3: I was watching behind the music with like an old hair metal rocker sitting there in his jean jacket. (laughs) But this was not directed by Derrickson. This was not filmed by Derrickson. This was the director of Ragnarok saying, hey, you guys have a set. We haven't started filming yet, so Hemsworth isn't in peak physical shape yet, but let's throw a coat on him and have this set up so that we can have dr strange and ragnarok which is going to be right ragnarok it's planet hulk because hulk is going to go off into space (laughs) with thor but yet it's also going to be a fish out of water story as thor and loki are on new york looking for odin and now dr strange is in it and it's a prologue for infinity war wow good luck guys i'm rooting for you but i'm not gonna bet on you
0: Look, it, it may be my favorite Thor film because it's focusing on so many other characters.
3: But of course, we got to also set up Doctor Strange, too. We talked about it. Mordo is going to go visit Benjamin Bratt and suck his power out of his stomach and leave him crippled. I don't think he kills him. He just takes away his magic, right? Yeah, he's just a quadriplegic again.
1: Because magic shouldn't distort reality and he's going to undo everything magical, I think. By using magic.
0: No more sorcerers, he says. The
1: kind of pretzel logic that should have gotten him kicked out of the school long ago. But here it goes.
3: But did you guys notice the final joke in this movie? Doctor Strange keeps saying, why do the warnings come after the spells in the book? It's what finally makes Wong laugh. Well, the warning comes after this movie because in the end credits, I just happened to look up and see driving while distracted can be hazardous to you and others on the road. Please drive responsibly.
0: I did see that right there at the very end. Yeah.
3: Yep. And
1: we do have to sit through the end of these things. I do want to compliment one thing. I've been pretty negative about a lot of this movie, but the sitar and the cheese organ from the doors and all of that. The score at the end was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, they go full psychedelic.
3: Yeah. But do you guys feel anything else was really really good? Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Dr. <laughs> Jacob, do you recommend Dr. Strange? That's the real question, Stewart. I, I can <laughs> I, I can turn forward time and see your answer. Yeah. So,
1: no, I everyone
3: I hope knows. Jacob, do you recommend Dr. Strange? <laughs> Yeah, you
0: know what? The strength of this Doctor Strange film is its visuals, and so if you want to go into a film and see a lot of trippy action, I think you're going to be satisfied. That's what worked the most for me here is the visuals, the Inception like building shifting going through the multiverse like all that stuff felt very fun. The, the stuff that didn't work was the tone shift that this makes about halfway through where they try to go funny and it just it shouldn't be a funny movie. It, it's not what Doctor Strange is. And kind of what's in the middle of the road is the story for me. It's pretty rote. It's kind of what I expect for the, uh, these Marvel films at this point. Again, like with Civil War, people gushed about that, had a cool airport fight, but the rest of it, Disney's made a machine that could turn out entertaining, you know, two-hour movie that, isn't upsetting like I I could get through it I'm not bored so this is it's a mild recommend you know I'd watch this before because of the visuals I'd watch this before Civil War I'd watch this before Guardians I watch it before Iron Man 2 because it is something that's just interesting to look at and it's it's got a middling story that doesn't do much but it's got characters it's got plot points to connect if you're a younger viewer and you're learning how plot and story works, I think you'll enjoy the way it does callback.
3: So yeah, it's a mild recommend. If it's the visuals that are pushing you there, I really suggest go and see this in IMAX 3D before it leaves theaters. You'll really enjoy that.
1: And I'd second that for the visuals. And the rest, Stuart? Now, you know, first I have to just acknowledge again that I came in really enthused for a Dr. Strange movie they didn't make. And I have to just work through that. This simply isn't a strange movie. It's predictable. It's very obvious in what it's doing, and oftentimes it's goofy. It is not frightening. It is not horror. Hiring Scott Derrickson... I feel like a lot of directors could give you what is given here. I do not see the man that made Sinister in this magic and occult superhero dimension stuff. And I've seen this stuff work before. That's the frustration. I liked Hellboy. Hell, I liked Constantine with Keanu Reeves and Tilda Swinton. I even liked the original TV movie. I think that this combination can be commercial. They chose not to go that commercial route. They said we're making The Matrix with mouse ears, and I have to accept that. So, okay, deep breath, putting all of those grumblings aside, and just looking at the movie in front of me, I think kids will want to see this, I think they'll enjoy the magic kit, and I think I'd enjoy watching their magic show that they put together afterwards, but for me... This movie is just too silly for adults to appreciate. I don't understand what I'm supposed to find compelling. The character arcs are muddy. The characters themselves aren't appealing. The fighting, the trippy visuals, yes, but the fighting, if I don't know what the stakes are, I can't get excited. I slept on it. I walked out of the theater brushing past people that were trying to hand me collectible posters and being like, this movie's horrible. Get away from me. It's not horrible. It's just horribly disappointing. Marvel can do better than this. They have a standard and they didn't meet this. This is the worst Marvel movie they've made of the proper universe. And what? Worse than Thor. Yeah.
3: yeah. Worse than Thor too? Yes. Oh, Easily. No, 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 no. Easily.
0: No no, no. no. Red Arrow. You have gone to the dark realm, sir.
3: You say it's a movie adults can't enjoy. Well, there are two adults on this podcast recommending it, so that's just not true. It is a movie adults can enjoy. It's a movie you don't enjoy.
1: Yeah, all right. Yes, to be, it's a movie I can't imagine why what adults would find
3: interesting in it. How about that? Well, let me tell you what I find interesting in it. I actually really like the performances in this movie. If it wasn't for Benedict Cumberbatch in the lead role, I think that I would be with where you guys are in finding this character completely distasteful. They did a really smart thing in bringing in the actors they did across the board. Even Benedict Wong. I find it funny a guy named Wong is playing a guy named Wong. But Tilda Swinton, Chiwetel Ejiofor, all of them just really good in their roles here. And the visuals... Unlike anything Marvel has ever given us before. It is a little bit like what Christopher Nolan has given us before. Yeah, it's not a sight unseen. We've seen this stuff before. Well, we've seen the city stuff. But then you add in the kaleidoscope, blacklight stuff. 2001. It's never looked this crisp. It has never looked this good. So the visuals, the performances... The way they use magic and the way that they can keep fights exciting where I have a real problem sometimes finding magic fights exciting. There's a lot to like here. I was taken back to Lord of the Rings a lot, you know, back to having your good wizard and your bad wizard and your big... They kept showing the eye of Dormammu, making me think of the eye of Sauron and knowing that Dormammu is a flaming head. So there's a lot To enjoy in here, and I think that especially again, IMAX 3D, there nobody can't just enjoy the visuals of it. But the story is rote. It is another origin story. I like that they did it a little bit differently. I like that they tried to make a slightly better villain than most of Marvel's origin stories. But as with any origin story, the focus is on the hero, not the villain. I have to look forward to sequels in the hopes that they'll get a good villain in there. Because Strange will have been established. And a lot of it is repetitive. And yes... A little bit of the slapstick with the cape I kind of roll my eyes at. But then they bring out, again, a freaking trap from Saw. So it it leaves my mind pretty quickly when I see how cool that thing is. It's a middle-of-the-road recommend. It's not the strongest recommend. It's not the weakest recommend. But I enjoyed this film. I think it's solid. I think it's consistent with Marvel's output. I look forward to seeing him interact with Marvel in the future, though trying to see how he and Captain America can share the same screen. First of all, they're both named Steve. But you throw in a Hulk, you throw in a Thor, you throw in Spider-Man. This is a cluttered universe now. (laughs) Throw in Star-Lord.
0: Maybe him and Scarlet Witch will get it on and team up with their magic.
3: Well, Vision will be all jealous then.
0: Well, they're going to take that stone out of his head anyway to put in a glove and he'll faint or whatever.
3: Yeah, we've got a busy Marvel year next year, though. Three Marvel movies for the first time ever. We've got Guardians Volume 2 in May, Spider-Man in July, and Thor in November, almost one year from now. But for us, I mean, it's a lot of superhero movies. Stuart, I know that you probably feel like you've been force-fed a lot of them. So we're going to do the exact opposite of a superhero movie. I can't imagine (laughs) a more whiplash-inducing shift than going from superhero movie Doctor Strange to a David Lynch retrospective we're kicking off with Eraserhead.
1: Well, it's strange. Yeah, if you want something that's genuinely strange and not for children, although it does have a baby in it, I do think the movie we're talking about next week is going to take you to a different realm. I don't know what dimension that is, but it's a Lynch dimension, and that definitely means that it's going to be heavy on surrealism.
3: I have never seen it. I do like David Lynch quite a bit. We're only doing a few movies here this year. We're kind of leading up to the return of Twin Peaks next year, and more details on that will be forthcoming but we're going to do Eraserhead, which to me, it's kind of like when we did that very first Nolan film. It's like, all right, we got to get through that early student film. And then we can start getting to the ones that were theatrically released. And
1: I, I feel like Eraserhead is one of the jewels of his crown, but... I mean, I think when people talk about The Cult of David Lynch, it's Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, Twin Peaks, and Mulholland Drive.
3: And when people talk about mainstream, I think they're going to be looking a lot more at The Elephant Man and Dune, the two films we're doing after Eraserhead.
1: They were big budget Hollywood commercial projects. And not only are we talking about Dune, but I'll be talking about all the six Frank Herbert Dune books over at Books and Nachos. And we're going to look at those sci-fi movies that tried to erase the Lynch influence and tell the story in a TV
3: miniseries way. And that is our sci fi lead up. I mean, Lynch was supposed to do Return of the Jedi. Well, we're going to be doing Dune and the TV Dunes and then Rogue One, a big end to the year. So that is coming up on the main feed at Now Playing. And our bonus donation feed is continuing with some horror. Last Friday, a sci fi horror film. The jewel in our donation series, whatever level, Cronenberg's The Fly. I think that's the one so many people want to hear us talk about. It's the one that is stuck with so many people, especially of our generation who were alive when it was released in theaters, and one that I know a lot of younger listeners are checking out on video and then posting. I mean, go to our Twitter, go to our Facebook. So many people have said, I never wanted to see this film, and now I'm kicking myself. This film was so... It had an effect on them, is what I'll summarize. It is an impactful film, so you can hear that review right now with a donation. Silver, gold, or platinum, you're getting the Fly series. And this Friday, we finish that series off with the fifth film, The Fly 2.
1: Yeah, I don't know if the enthusiasm is going to be as high. I'll be frank. It isn't. But there's a lot to talk about, and there's a lot of illustrious people connected to it. So, yeah, I don't feel like it's the same thing as Return of the Fly, a cheapy sequel. They tried to make something with it, and we're going to try to
3: make out what it is this Friday. You can find out all the details by going to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. And while I have your ear for Doctor Strange, I would like to remind you our show is crowdsourced. We have no sponsors, we have no ads. None of us are wealthy enough to bankroll this ourselves. We rely on listener support to pay for our servers, to pay for our website, to pay for our editing, all of it. And we need your help to keep going. Next year, we talked about how many superhero movies we're doing. That's just the tip of the iceberg. I mentioned this on a recent show. We have gone well over 300 weeks without ever missing one. We have had a new show every week for years. And it's listener support that makes that possible, that we can take a week off here or there personally, but the shows come out on time. And so if you enjoy this show, if you enjoy what we do, if you want to see it going strong in 2017, we need your help to make that happen, and you can make that happen by going to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate, and making a donation of $10, you get five bonus podcasts, four right away in the fifth this Friday, gold $25 or more, you're going to get 13 bonus podcasts, a bunch of which are out right now, and a few more for some weeks to come. And thirty-five dollars or more, you can go with us to another Charles Band series, the Reanimator Trilogy. Plus, who knows what's happening with that fourth one, but we're gonna talk about it. So all of the details, now playingpodcast.com forward slash donate. And thank you sincerely to everyone who's donated so far. You guys keep us going, you're our lifeblood, you mean the world to us. So thank you. And Jacob Stewart Thank you for joining me for this strange podcast. And until next time, Avengers Avengers assemble. Assemble!
2: such thing as spirit. We are made of matter, and nothing more. You're just another tiny, momentary speck within an in indifferent universe.
0: You think too little of to yourself
2: Oh, you think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Now Playing Avengers Retrospective series. We're adjourned. We're adjourned for the day. Okay. You've been a delight part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective series.
1: This is a whole new level of weird. I don't feel inclined to step away from it.
2: Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, go to our archives, where you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics movie series, such as X-Men, The Fantastic Four, Blade, and Punisher, plus DC Comics reviews of Green Lantern, Batman and Superman. Good luck keeping up. We also have non-comic based movie reviews such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many more. I'm bringing the party to you. You will also find individual movie reviews such as Cowboys and Aliens, Avatar, and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. We made this thing, all of us, please. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners.
0: Here we remain as a beacon of hope, shining out across the stars.
2: You can also follow NowPlaying on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. It's strange. Maybe
0: who I to judge?
2: The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com.
0: Therefore, what I'm saying—if I'm saying anything—is welcome back.
2: Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You have
0: to explain that
2: statement, sir. Huh? You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, NowPlayingPodcast.com.
0: Is it Hi. too much for problem to ask? Because I'm—I I'm, okay, okay. really need your help here.
2: You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcasts by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more.
3: Get yourself something nice for me. I already did.
2: And? Oh, it was very nice. Very tasteful. Now Playing's Avengers Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie.
1: I've moved on to the next one, because that's what we do, right? I mean, that's the job.
2: Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock.
3: Wow. Wow. You spoke to me with what you did, and I know that you knew that I'd be listening.
2: Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Marvel Studios, Paramount Pictures, Universal Pictures, or the Disney Company. The Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and all that the Marvel Universe contains are the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended.
3: You really think that just because you have an idea, it
2: belongs to you? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated.
0: Just stick to the official statement and soon this will all be behind
3: you.
2: Now Playing is a Inganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved.
3: Any last words,
1: Hulk smash!
2: I pushed your astral form out of your physical form.
1: What's in that tea? Psilocybin? LSD? It's
3: just tea. With a little honey. And that they actually use time zones. It's nighttime there, and it was daytime in New York. No, I guess it was nighttime in New York. No, it was nighttime there. It was daytime when the Ancient One fell to the ground, nighttime when they're looking at the lightning, and nighttime in Hong Kong. I'm confused now, but... How about you know something in south america or something i don't know just or maybe even antarctica would be interesting is this again <laughs> no in the one in
0: antarctica is going to see this movie we don't need to <laughs> pander
3: to them yeah that would be quite a
1: thing arnie you're you're,
3: you're alienating the penguins damn it
1: <laughs> but all but yeah, right
3: so because oh wait it's star trek 2009 almost note for note da 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 wait that was uh revenge of the sith so i'll cut that <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have seen oh no, that's right sh- and we have seen shots in new york of shits <laughs> <laughs> we, ha- we have we have seen, seen some
1: th- shit in thor that's for sure